Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Wednesday, April 23rd, 2014, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Mr. Bob Ryer. Good evening. And on the line with Miss Stephanie Cook. Hello. And while Steve is away in the Great White North, joining us is Talking Games co-host, Justin Townsend. Justin, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, Justin. So, it's time to our little... It's camp what the first day of camp you need to tell the the folks at home a little bit about your history what's uh what what how'd you get started reading comics i got started reading comics uh when i was about eight years old eight or nine years old i was on a road trip with my family and we came to a rest stop and my mom we walked into the convenience area my mom's like go find something to read we'll get a magazine or something and so I ran up and I went to the counter and I couldn't find whatever I was looking for at the time. Lord knows what it was, a coloring book, something. And there was a Spider-Man comic. And I was like, all right, I'll just take this. And so I read it and I liked it. Like I didn't know, I knew Spider-Man. I didn't know Mary Jane. I didn't know Silvermane, who was the villain of the Ooh. book. Uh, so I kind of got hooked. Um, and from there on, it went further and further. And then around the Clone Saga in the 90s, it just stopped. It died for me, and I was out of comics for maybe like five, five or six years, mm-hmm. and uh, I wasn't gaming at the time either. It was just like I was doing my own thing. I was going to school. Yeah. Who were you, Justin? I was somebody completely. I don't. I don't <laughs> recognize that person. Uh, so uh, my re-entry into comics was in Times Square in New York. I was at the Virgin Megastore of all places to find comic books, and I found Volume One of Ultimate Spider-Man. And so I picked that up, I read it, and I was like, this is, this is really cool, I like this. So I started trying to follow it the best I could, and so what I was doing was I was going to the Smith Haven Mall every week, going mm-hmm. to the bookstore that used to be in the mall, mm-hmm. looking for just the single issues of that book to read. And I was like, this is silly, I should just go to the comic book store I used to go to as a kid. And so I walked in, and they were like, we still have stuff in your bin. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm not probably going to take that stuff, <laughs> yeah. but... Uh, can you help me out? And so I started just reading Ultimate Spider-Man, which brought me back into Amazing. And then when the new Avengers started, that brought me into the Avengers. And then I was like, all right, well, I'll read an event. And I think the first event I read was House of M. And then after that, I just started diving into everything. Mm. So what's, uh, what's, on your, what's on your pull right now? What's the, what are the books you look forward to the most? Mostly Marvel. Um, you know, Amazing, Avengers, all the, all the big books, all the X books, um, Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel. Uh, in, as far as DC goes, I read Batman. Uh, I read Wonder Woman. Uh, I'm getting into action. You got me back into action. Uh, as far as the independent, uh, like independents go, like Image, Vertigo, I usually 
will read the first issue of things that come, and then if I like it, I trade weight. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it. I've been trying to actually cut my pull list down because for a while it was getting out of control. Yeah. Yeah, that will happen when you listen to this show, especially. Yes. <laughs> we suggest a lot of books. We, get a lot, we got a couple complaints this week. Really? Yeah. Someone was like, I hate your show. I spent $100 at the comic book shop. When I was doing that, I was like, I really need to cut back a little Mm because my wife is like, you know you're spending like $80 to $100 every week in comics. And I was like, really? And then I looked (laughs) and I'm like, oh, wow, I really am. I should probably cut some of this back. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of money in comics. Well, yeah. Justin, uh, thank you so much. You've been a, you were a longtime listener of the show and then you did the book club with Steve and now we're doing Talking Games. We're very happy to have you co-hosting with us today. I'm stoked to be here. Um, Stephanie. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. How's life? Oh, you know, it's life-like. I've been, you know, on my computer writing things. Mm-hmm. I went to the gym today. I'm not going to be able to move tomorrow because I haven't been to the gym since I lived with Oma. Mm-hmm. And I just decided to pick up exactly where I left off. Oh, boy. That didn't and, work. But, like, I didn't – normally I do, like, you know, like, you do one thing. Like, they tell you, like, work on your arms or work on your legs or work on your core – and I was like, fuck it, I'm doing it all. <laughs> so, like, I, you know, not only did I overexert myself, but I overexerted all of my body, and I'm not going to be able to move tomorrow. So, sorry, Silver Snail, I won't be there tomorrow because <laughs> I'll be incapacitated. Uh, take, take a warm bath and a nice glass of wine and read a book, and you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, good times. Good times are rolling. <laughs> So um, this week on the show, we're gonna be we're gonna be doing some books of the week. Uh, we're gonna it's a little little different again. We're gonna have a little, little kind of mini discussion that's not really a topic, but it's a discussion. And then we're gonna take a little break and we're do some more listener questions. Yeah, uh, so many last week. week. We gotta have some leftovers. Yeah, we do. And we got asked for some new ones. We got we got a bunch of new ones on Facebook. Oh, so I didn't even study. Hell so well. it, it's it's uh, I'm excited to <laughs> we got some good ones too uh, on Facebook. Awesome, awesome from uh, from our listeners. Um, Funny enough, Stephanie, uh, we you know we're just sending emails back and forth, kind of getting prepped for, for the show. Mm-hmm. And one of one of the books you were going to talk about was a book called Adventures of Business Cat. Yes. And, and funny enough, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to read as many of the books that we're going to talk about this week as possible before we get to the show, so we can have some good conversations. And you wrote Adventures of Business Cat, but in my brain, because I knew that. Uh, the Adventures of Action Cat came out this week from Dynamite. <gasps> I just bought and read that. And, oh. and then I looked and I was like, God damn it. It was the wrong it was the wrong cat book. Well, I can talk about that one too, because I also bought and read that. <laughs> um it was just a funny after it was after I finished reading it, I was like, all right, and I went to look at like the list, like marked down some notes, and I was like, this isn't at all what I was supposed to read. Oh. I was supposed to read something very very different than but isn't your life so much better for having read it well i don't know if it's so much better it was an enjoyable (laughs) book (laughs) i will say that it's art balthazar like it's the team that does itty bitty hellboy and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah you know yes thank you yeah superman Um, family adventures those hmm. books so i mean it was delightful don't get me wrong but it wasn't (laughs) the studying that i was trying to do before we actually started the show (laughs) that that honestly you know um I won't spoil what, you know, my books of the week are at this point in time, but, you know, that was actually going to be one of my additional uh, books of the week, and then I was like, wow, this is going to be very cat-related. Yeah, just like normal. I... <laughs> yeah, I know. The last couple of weeks, you know, I've I've completely, like, I- I've just, em- not embraced it, but it's embraced me, rather. 
you know, <laughs> cat contests on my own blog. And uh, there's, there's just been a lot of cat-related things. Oh, my friend uh, Megan, I went to go have coffee with her, and she gave me my Christmas present because I haven't seen her in a long time. She travels and I travel, and every time I'm home, she's not, and vice versa. Um, but she bought me this ugly Christmas sweater oh, that's like all it's it's like a giant cat sweater but she bought it off like Etsy so it's vintage it's a vintage crazy cat lady sweater and it has like a collar built into it and the collar has little like paw prints embroidered on it nice. it's, it's pretty great sounds like the inside of your brain <laughs> <laughs> collared with cat prints embroidered yeah yes <laughs> Yeah, so that's a thing that happened. <laughs> um, but we'll get to talking about that book in, in a few minutes when we get to our, our books of the week. Uh, another thing we're doing a little bit differently, and we're kind of in beta on it <laughs> right now, is uh, we, as you guys know, listening, we've been cutting the books down to two a week, and uh, it kind of stops us from talking about certain things uh, and excludes us from you know really focusing on something we like to focus on. So we, I still want to keep the the discussions lively and and somewhat brief, and by brief I mean forty five minutes to an hour instead of <laughs> instead of two hours long. So what we're gonna do is uh, kind of the books, other than when it's like the end of an arc or a big moment. A lot of the books that we talk about a lot, we're gonna go to like a kind of like a two or three minute kind of warning thing where we'll set the clock and that person will get to talk about that book for that that two or, or books for that two or three minutes. Then the time's up. We'll go to the next person. You can use they can you can use that time to talk about one book. You can talk about three books, you can talk about five books, whatever you want to do. Um, and, and, and that way we'll still be able to talk about those books, but we'll have to dedicate the bulk of the time and hopefully give you guys out there who, is, who are buying the books a little bit more of a varied, varied thought just so there's more stuff you know whether or not you're going to spend that $105 now mm-hmm. at the comic book store instead of $100. And keeps the new people learning about the exactly. stuff they're supposed to learn exactly. about at the same time. Exactly. Yeah, it works. That sounds good. Because it's like, I, we try to read the podcast as much as possible, much like... Stanley treated comic book, mm-hmm. which is that every co- podcast is someone's first podcast. So uh, we want to make sure we talk about those books, you know, that people that we want people to read. We also to re- be, you know, resident of the people who listen every single week. So we're in that position, like comic books are in, where we have yeah. to curtail the full. Where's the continuity? <laughs> Where's the continuity of, of the show? Uh, so you know, we're just, we're trying it out. Um, we're gonna see what happens. You know, these things. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I don't know how it seems people who are listening, but. It, it might seem like we just sit down and decide to record the podcast. There are many, many discussions in between, sometimes heated discussions via email about what we're going to do every week. Uh, so we, we thought about this a lot, and we're going to try it out. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, we'll, uh, we'll try something else. Justin is here for the, the, the maiden voyage of this idea. I'm seeing behind the curtain. You are. This is the right. first time seeing behind the curtain of this show. It's right not... a couple of weeks from now, we're arm wrestling at yeah. this table over what book is going on. <laughs> It's not all sunshine and roses when you when you when you're behind behind that curtain. Uh, so that's what we're gonna try out th- this week, uh, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. So I think what we'll do is, well, we'll I'll, I'll let person to, by person decide. So uh, Bob, let's start out. Let's start with you. Would you rather do your kind of your your two minute um, warning kind of thing, or would yeah, you I think so. Yeah, we'll okay. Go for high energy starting it up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> or as much high energy as I can manage, not having had dinner yet. All right. Um, so I'm gonna set the uh, the clock. This is official. Where I got a clock. Oh yeah, now. yeah, yeah. We got a clock. Believe me, because if we didn't set the clock, we would talk for 30 minutes about the book. Yeah, that's what always happens. <laughs> that's what we do. It's like we we have a short show. Um, all right. So you have. I'm gonna. We'll do first. We'll do three minutes for this first round. Okay. So that because we're just getting used to it. So three minutes are on the clock for Bob. Go. 
First thing, I know people are not going to believe it. X Factor is starting to get better. All it right. is not where it should be yet, but we now have a relationship between two artificial people. There's like robot romance going on, and it's starting to round into a team. So maybe you want to trade away a little, but it's, it's starting to look good. Mighty Avengers continues to be just spectacular. This last issue was all about the Blue Marvel and his sons and extra dimensions and really big-time stuff as opposed to the street level, so that was really interesting. Uh, Captain Marvel number two is the first... Carol in Space issue mm -hmm. meets the Guardians of the Galaxies and some new villains who are, it turns out, it, named by a little friend of Kelly Sue DeConnick's. There are the Hoffenzi, which in German means they hope, but she says, no, it's not. It's just, just a funny word. Mm -hmm. And there's also Rocket Raccoon apparently doesn't like cats. No. He does not. Because they're flirkins. They're flirkins. They're flirkins. <laughs> Some kind of crazy... So the more cats, yeah. even I'm talking about cats now, but flirkin <laughs> cat. Have you seen it lay eggs? No, I haven't. I don't know about... I don't see gravity either, and mm -hmm. I know it works. I know the cat's not laying eggs. And just and just like that, he doesn't like being called a raccoon still either. Yes. Okay, so it's good, it's good really, really done well. Yes. And I will finish off with Ms. Marvel number three, which is absolutely a treasure. The writing's insightful. The character's amazing. We have... I may have discovered something. I haven't seen anywhere else. Kamala's powers and their working is sort of weird. Is it a parallel to teenage girls and their body images and it all not coming together? Is this just, I think so. I think that's definitely what it is. Just, yeah. just really, really brilliant. I also found it fascinating that her outfit, by the end of this, she's gone through Ms. Marvel with the boots and the. she's now Captain Marvel mm -hmm. when she decides at the end. People, if you haven't heard enough of us talking about how great this book is, just pick up Ms. Marvel and go. It is just sensational. And that's it for me, I think. You have, a, you have 58 seconds, though, Bob. No, nope, nope, I did the two. See, you look, did I, two. I did two. That was great. You did exactly two minutes. That was awesome. That was awesome. All right. So that's Bob. We're, we'll come up with a, with a funky name for it. That, that's awesome at some point. Um, for this, this Lightning round. Yeah, I but, like lightning. Lightning round's round good. We can do lightning round. Yeah, look, lightning. She's round. got lightning. Yeah, a, yeah, it's true. Miss <laughs> Marvel has a big lightning ball in her chest. All right, so let's get let's dig into the more the serious books of the week here. Let's do it. Oh, I thought we were gonna do everyone. Oh, two you minutes. want to do everyone first? We can do everyone's two minutes. That's probably a good idea. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, Justin, you want to go next? Sure. All right, I'm gonna give you three minutes. If you only take two, All right. more power to you, sir. All right, here we go. And go. Okay, so the book that I want to talk to everybody about is Dave from Monkey Brain. It's a digital comic. And it's amazing. This is the premise. It's four issues in. Each issue is 99 cents. So the book starts out like this. We're humans, right? We create robots. The robots work for us. They get AI. They decide working for us not that good of an idea. They decide to kill all of us. And now they're the people on the planet. Mm. So they're like, well, this isn't fun. Let's go out into space and kill everything else. <laughs> so they go do that. And now they come back and they're like, well, now what? And this <laughs> is where the book starts. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. So we have our main character, Dave, who is going through a robot midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's at a, he's mm -hmm. at a job that he hates because what he used to be is a monster hunter. He used to be on this you know, team that would go out and take out the biggest, baddest aliens in the galaxy. But now he's stuck behind a desk, and he has a wife who hates him, and he has an adopted son who can't stop looking at robot porn and who doesn't really <laughs> like him very much. And so here he is at his desk, and he just hates everything. And then you find out that on the planet, there are the, there's the last race of aliens who are hiding out, waiting to strike. So we're at issue four, and now the strike has happened. 
And I'm not going to spoil anything else of the book, but this book is hysterical and not enough people are reading it. The, the humor in this book is really like one of the funniest books on the stands. And it's just a great concept. Robots fighting aliens. I'll take that all day long. <laughs> the other book I'm going to talk about is the latest issue of Thor. So this is number 21. And we're currently in the dual arc of old King Thor fighting old Galactus on a ruined Midgard, which just should be enough to sell the book instantly. <laughs> uh, and the other half of the book is Thor fighting the evil corporation Roxxon. And Thor finding out that he can't hit everything with his hammer, and he also can't give out all the gold in Asgard to solve problems. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of at he's kind of stuck here at a crossroads, not knowing what to do when he comes across the Almighty Lawyer. But the best part of the book is definitely Old King Thor and Galactus going to war. Um, there's a scene here I won't spoil because it's that cool, but you know. Thor may get punched through the planet. It may happen. <laughs> so you might want to check that out. And uh, those are the two books that I, I want people to read. Awesome. Great job, Justin. Two and a half minutes. I'll take oh, it. It was good. It was very, very good. All right. Stephanie? Uh-oh. Do you have any books you want to talk about? I can think of some. I think you reviewed a couple that you could talk about quickly. I did. But go. I, I'm going to mention a couple quickly. All right. Well, here we go. And right. three minutes and lightning round. A Red Hulk number one by Mark Wade and Jerome Opena. 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 Anyways, it's really good. I liked it. I've never read a Hulk book before, aside from like She-Hulk stuff, which doesn't count because it's She-Hulk, not Hulk. Anyways, no idea what happened in the Indestructible Hulk, but thought this was a really good issue number one. Left a lot of intrigue. It was a cool opening and was left with a really, really, really cool, shocking cliffhanger. Check it out. I liked it. Um, Solar, Man of the Atom, number one, from Dynamite Comics by Frank J. Barbieri, with art by Joe Bennett. Um, a story about a man who can kind of, it, it's, he's like Adam, Adam Eve from, um, uh, Invincible. Uh, he's got the same sort of powers as her. Uh, and I really liked it. I thought the art was great. I thought the story was really interesting. And knowing nothing about it going in... I was left really intrigued by the overall premise of the book. Um, and, you know, I really like Barbieri's work on Five Ghosts. So, yeah, that's another one. Quickly, I'll say um, I wrote in reviews for Cleopatra uh, in Space by Mike Myhack. It was amazing, adorable, fun, great all-ages book um, that it was based on a webcomic of his and... Um, this is an original story based on the webcomic series. Hmm. So for fans of that and for new fans coming to this, um, it's an all-new story. Um, and Black Canary and Zatanna Bloodspell. I know, this is, I feel like I'm going to run out of time. No, you're good. You have um, a minute. All right. Black Canary and Zatanna Bloodspell, Paul Dini, Joe Quinones. Um, I loved this. I didn't know what to expect going into it. And this was just a really solid story. You know, it's kind of a cliche. There's a heist. The heist goes wrong. And, you know, one of the people seeks vengeance after that. And this person is seeking vengeance against Dinah and Zatanna once Dinah involves Zatanna in it. Um, Great story. Lots of fun. Great art. And it's going to be out May 27th, I believe. So still a month, but 
worth checking out when it does get here. You tease. Absolutely. Check out that review too on, on the site on talkingcomplex.com. And you finished 20 seconds left, Stephanie. Yes. So you oh. did it. Can I just jump yeah. in about Solar Man of the Atom? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. That's, a, that's an old yeah. character. It goes yeah, back yeah, yeah. to Gold Key in the 60s. And so he's actually before your Invincible character, I guess, mm-hmm. more than likely. No. Mar- uh, was, is Invincible? Invincible's Kirkman, ben- but, but I, 100 Kirkman, issues. okay. Yeah. yeah. So he's not my age, but close. So mm-hmm. he probably read that one. He was growing up too. Right. One thing about that book. Time's up. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thought. It was one of the most disappointing books on the newsstand constantly. Oh, when it was out originally, you mean? Okay. It was a, it was a great science-y story in the way the metal men were. You got to learn all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff about elements. They had the most gorgeous painted covers. If you go on Google Images or something, look up old Dr. Solar covers, gorgeous painted covers, guys like Frank Boley and whatever. And the insides were the usual rotten gold key artwork. Mm-hmm. Bland, flat, terrible covers, <laughs> bad paper. And I kept buying those covers. I was, you know, well, my father did for me. And I'm seven. And I, keep, I, I wanted there to be a change. This is going to be the issue with this good art inside. There's like Kirby inside or something. Uh-huh. It was crap. <laughs> great stories. Bland, boring art. But it was always a great concept. He's sort of a Dr. Manhattan kind of That's what it looked like. The cover, that's what it reminded yeah. me of. Yes, if, absolutely. The thing is, if I try to explain it in any other way than he has the same powers as Adam Eve from Invincible, it would have taken up my whole like Absolutely. three minutes to find the words. <laughs> that worked for me. Um, I knew exactly what you were talking about. Yeah. He can like it's one of those things where um you can't make something disappear or reappear in the world, but you can shift the atoms. Mm-hmm. Like you can shift the matter around. Right. To, and so but the really cool thing about it is each panel, like when he's doing like you don't just see his power work, you see the actual equations oh, and that's stuff nice. as he's converting oh, nice. something yeah, really to cool. something else. Well, he had one, there was one issue I, for some reason just came to me where a bad guy d- fouled up his powers or something happened to him that they weren't working right. And anything he touched moved one number up the atomic number scale. Oh, wow. <laughs> so there was a series of panels like that where they were saying to you, oh, you know, lead is atomic number 47. Mm-hmm. And so now it's going to 48. What? <laughs> Well, I didn't know I was going to school today while reading my comic books. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, all right. So here I go. Three minutes on the clock for me. Lightning round. All right. So I want to talk about, I finally read All New Ghost Rider number two, which was two weeks ago, I believe, that they came out, but I got around to it this week. Uh, awesome. The, the art by Trad Moore continues to be beautiful. Uh, the developing story of this new Ghost Rider and who he is and what it means and why he is who he is is, is really, really interesting. Um, just a ton of fun. It's a ton of fun to read. Very over the top, you know, v- very violent, but in a way that is is more tongue in cheek than anything else. It reminds me almost of like a more delicate, like Mark Millar type of tone to it, like a kick ass kind of tone to it. Right. Much less than that, obviously, because it's a it's got a mainstream Marvel book, but it, it's definitely got that about it. And Trad Moore's art do, conveys that feeling perfectly. Um, uh, the other book, uh, Sinestro number one uh, from DC, Cullen Bunn uh, and Dale Eaglesham, I believe, is the is the artist on that. Much like he's doing with Magneto over at Marvel, I, I think Colin Bunn has got the chance to write a very, very interesting villain and has done some very, very cool things with him. Uh, th- this story is basically Sinestro is in exile and uh, one of his former lanterns finds him and tells him he has to come back because he, they're, they're, some of his people are still alive, even though he thought they were all dead. Uh, and so he's coming back to try to find his people and, and save them. Hmm. And it was just very cool. I mean, he's, he's a great villain, a great character, and... 
Colin Bunn is doing a great job writing him, and the art is also very nice. Uh, and finally, uh, Batman number 30 uh, by Scott Snyder with art by Greg Capullo is the start of the last act of Zero Year, so we're, I guess we're in the last four-issue stretch uh, uh, of that story. And last time we left Batman, he was kind of on the ropes, kind of down and out, looked like things were not going to end well for him. And this is really the first issue of the, the series of this run, uh, the storylines, sorry, Zero Year, where we're seeing him kind of start to come back and start to gain the upper hand a little bit. And I'm sure it'll be taken away again before yeah. the end of the, sh- end of the, uh, the, the, the story, but this was great. There was a lot of great, you know, that was so cool. I'm going to crack a smile type of faces. Um, there was this, th- th- there is, there's a scene where all of these kind of robots that are, that are motion sensor th- to attack when it moves the way that Batman kind of, diffuses them and turns them against each, each other is really really awesome batman stuff the art by greg capullo is absolutely gorgeous there's a couple pages that are just unbelievable to look at um furthers the relationship between batman and jim gordon which i thought was great and i'm just really looking forward to seeing how this goes it, it's funny that we're this deep into it and it just feels kind of like the norm to me now with, with what batman's supposed to be so it's going to be weird when the book moves back forward again to the to the to modern day but Really great stuff. So Batman number 30, awesome. And I'm done. Now, are they going, now that we're out of this part of it, are they then shifting the five years up? Is it, are we going to come right out of zero year into five years? I don't end? know. I it's don't gonna think It's going to be close, though. Yeah, it's going to be pretty close. I don't think so. Um, but it's going to be close. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, so we're probably about four four months away from the end of zero year, which would put us, what, in, what, what we're in April right now? So put us in August, uh-huh. and year's end is, I guess, October, right? September, so, October, yeah. October. So they'll probably do one month of in-between, and uh, like one month of, he always usually does that right after a big yeah. arc. He does like one or two issues yeah, of- Catch your breath. Catch your breath. This is just you know one-off or, or, or a two-issue arc, and then we go on to the next big thing. So I probably, yeah, probably get a little bit of breather, and then we move right into it. So he's ping-ponging around the whole, yeah. the whole spectrum at that point. <laughs> but It's time for Batman 1 million again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I ha- no I have I have the the DC 1 million the regular series okay. I don't have the spin- the couple of the other like spin-off stuff. Um I found those at like the Sayville like town fair really whatever, in one of like there was a tent and they had all of the they, one tent had a couple of comic book boxes and I dug through it I got like it, I mean they're you know their first editions they're in perfect they're in perfect shape of that Grant Morrison DC 1 million yeah. stuff. It was like five issues for like $2 or something like that. Awesome. Nice. Yes. Yeah, it was great. It was great. So that's going to end our, our lightning round. Um, I think in the future will probably have some sound effects or something to go along with it. But yeah, exactly. Uh, but now let's move into to the deeper yeah. books of the week and let's, let's throw it back to Bob. Um, Bob, well, let's, let's start out. Um, we'll start with Dakota North. Sure. One through five first. A question or? Oh yeah, I was going to ask you. Okay, ask you. Oh, you're you're moving around, so I want to give you a chance okay. to to get set. Uh, first of all, I mean, what is it, and why did you decide to go with this book right now? It is a detective light romp that takes place within the fashion industry. To go mm. with everything else, it's from 1986. It's Martha Thomas's, who now is mostly journalist about comic books, and Tony Salmon's on the rather. It, it's art, sort of reminiscent of. Dexter Soy feel Andre. It's sort of angular, very sparse in a certain way, but really kind of kind of clever and iconic. And in all the, we, we see so many books now with Black Widow and Velvet and Fatal and all these female detective-y characters and stuff going on. 
And it just struck me as going through, the, I have a box that has, in this case, it has all my Luke Cage's in it because at one point she was part of that team, mm -hmm. has been in Daredevil. She was their private investigator and showed up only fairly recently in Avengers Assemble and Captain Marvel as part of that backstage team. I mean, okay, for all those people who are loving Hawkeye Kate, this would be right up their alley. Interesting. It's something you could get probably in a 40-cent bin because these were <laughs> not successful at all. The five issues, in essence, end at a cliffhanger that was never resolved. Oh, man. Uh, she is initially hired by a fellow named Luke Jacobson, big-time fashion-y guy, whose company's been taken over by one of those evil corporations. Not Roxxon, but Rycom. But I'm sure they've been taken over by Roxxon in the years <laughs> since. Or, or the... Uh, brand corporation, who, mm. a subsidiary of Rock. <laughs> What's the one in X Factor? Serval Industries? Yes, yeah, Serval. They're all related. It's all conglomerate. Engulf and Devour, as they said in that old Mel Brooks movie. <laughs> and he's worried that something's going on. They're, they're attacking his places and there are threats. While this goes on, Dakota North, who has her own agency and her father's ex-CIA, she tends to really dress nicely and also drive big motorcycles and fast cars and uses big guns. She's insanely snarky there's lots of honey and sweetie and it doesn't mean anything at all but she can definitely take care of herself her father sends her 12 year old brother basically would go live with her he of course gets into trouble gets involved with some of these models there's double and triple crosses we go to paris we go on the orient express we get a lovely sequence where she's trying to chase her brother down who's got this pen that has uh, everyone, uh, it's terrible to say this. It's the gas that basically poisoned hundreds and hundreds of people in India in Bhopal. Hmm. They they reference that. He's got her her father's friend has a poison gas pen filled with that that he's lifted from the CIA before somebody else gets it. He's about to be attacked, so he loses it on purpose to the kid brother in a poker game. Oh, wow. Who then <laughs> runs around the rest of the series while everyone chases after him. So uh, he and this girl are on the Orient Express. They're pulling out, and Dakota goes running after them, falls on her face. I shouldn't have tried to run in high heels. <laughs> so he addressed, you know, because it looks kind of silly. Well, how is she doing all this? It's like Captain with Nomad tripping on his own cape. Right. We just go for it and say it. Uh, there's a lovely sequence in five that you can sort of see from the cover of four. They eventually get to sort of the big bad guy, who I'm not going to say anything about, in case someone does actually read these or get some <laughs> on Comixology where she's lashed to a chair while there's, she's going to be attacked by falcons. And the entire sequence from Avengers mm -hmm. is here. Oh, wow, okay. And how old is Joss Whedon? He's probably 40s? 40s, mid-40s or something like that. Uh, you know, I've heard that he wanted to do that sequence long before and just never mm -hmm. got to use it anywhere. I just wonder, I had never seen it before until I saw it here right. and was reminded when I read it again mm -hmm. in this one. I don't know. Definitely a big comic book fan, obviously. Right. So it, one of those things that maybe seeps into your brain but, that you yeah. don't even realize, you know. But it's it's really a fun series. I'm sure you can find it for next to nothing anywhere. It's only five issues, and if it seems like it's ending in the middle, it did. Mm -hmm. Just never went anywhere else. She went into Luke Cage, did a great run. I didn't even see these because I didn't know until doing some research for here. She's in a Daredevil run by Greg Rucka. Oh, wow. Where she apparently is trying to uh, get someone who's unjustly imprisoned on death row out mm. and it's described as her signature moment in comics mm, wow i'll have to check so, that out definitely. i'm gonna have to find that one myself so also again did some luke cage did a couple of years in that fun character feisty lady nice flair of humor and fashion if you're interested in such things so <laughs> dakota north from 1986 do they, do they did they collect it 
Nope. They didn't collect it. Okay. They didn't do stuff like that. Right. That's true. Unless yes. you were Avengers, X-Men, right. Fantastic Four, yeah. a book that failed. Now, here's the thing. In 1986, this was probably a failure. I don't know what the sales number was. I bet this still sold 50 or 60,000 right. copies. Right. Of course. <laughs> of course it did. Yeah. That's funny. It's funny. When you, the cover, I thought it was Black Widow looking at the cover. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's sort of wearing a jumpsuit. Really, it's a jacket and a pair of pants. Yeah. But she's, she's very fashionably attired. Yeah. Lovely haircut. Yes. <laughs> and loves motorcycles and guns and things. It's cool. It, yeah. looks, it's, it seems cool. Yeah. Yeah. Tra- travels the world, does all sorts of things. Again, if you love the style of art, I was describing Flippy Andre, mm. Dexter Soy, that sort of thing, it is not superhero-y, but mm. it's also not comic-y. It's not mm. cartoony, but somewhere in between. Right. It's really stylish. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Dakota Dakota North Investigations. Well, that's it's just Dakota North. Oh, that's but that's, that's, her, that's, 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 that's her, her business, business card. Sign. New oh. York, Paris, Rome, Tokyo. Gotcha, guys. So just Dakota North one through five. Yep. All right. Only seventy five cents each. That's all they were back then. But <laughs> you could 40... get them for less than that now. Yeah, yeah. Forty yeah. P yeah. in the UK. Oh, look at that. Forty pence. Yeah. All right. And these are the direct market ones. They have the little black spidey. I see that. I I I have books in my in my bo- long boxes from Tor that have that same. Well, that's how you can tell. Yeah. If it had a barcode, that was from the newsstand. Oh, I didn't know it, that. They were for the direct market ones. They replaced it with Ooh. a spidey or whoever happened to be. I didn't know that park. either. Wow. Very cool. I did not know that at all. Interesting. There you go. Learn something Such new. A shocker. Yeah. Every <laughs> single day. Learning something with Bob. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. Awesome. Awesome. So up next. Uh, a digital book, Bob. Uh, it's crazy, isn't it? Crazy. What? It's, cr- it's crazy town. Yeah. Crazy and now town. the internet's going to break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Adventures of Superman number 50, yes. which is Adventures of Superman, for those of you guys who don't know, who haven't been reading it, is a weekly uh, DC digital series. They also collect it into, into physical copies every month, just like all the other ones. Uh, and it's a set of one-offs or small arcs of Superman stories written by various artists. I mean, the first one is... Uh, art by Chris Samney. If, if you guys want to check that out, uh, there's there's a lot more to look at. A lot that I've gotten very very good press. It, fortunately, when it started, I got a lot of negative press because of the Orson Scott card yes. thing, which never ever happened. He never wrote, wrote the story, so uh, you're free of that of that worry if you're worried about that. Um, but tell us about Adventures of Superman number fifty. Well, it struck me just because I was scrolling through my Comicsology account mm-hmm. and they they pushed a little thing you liked. You know, so I had gotten the Batman Beyond because Carolyn Coca had sent me some of those over with mm-hmm. a new Batgirl, oh, okay. Barbara Gordon as the commissioner. So you know, you recommendation. So it's Adventures of Superman number fifty, and I discover it's written by Kelly Sue DeConnick. <laughs> well, okay, I'll read that and a Valentine story, mm-hmm. no less. I'm I'm one issue behind on this. The art's by Valentine Delandro, who is going to be doing her Bitch Planet. Oh, for okay. Image. And we've got a Chris Samney cover. Yes, we do. <laughs> which is. His Superman is amazing. Yeah, uh, He and Delandro are both doing the Siegel and Schuster squinty-eyed Superman, yeah. and I just love that, mm-hmm. the barrel-chested muscle man. Mm-hmm. What we have here is you, you pick up with Lois. She's bought Superman a gift, a mystery gift for Valentine's Day, and it puzzles Superman. He starts flying around to Wonder Woman and Batman and Aquaman. Well, what's... What do you think she got me? I don't know. We're busy fighting this robot. <laughs> you know, can you can you focus on the problem at hand? And Wonder Woman, for instance, is bolos. You get her. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, no, that's what she got me. Carved from some special tree on the island of the Amazons, and you should maybe you should get her a bag of pink diamonds because they're stopping a, uh, a bank robbery, mm. a jewelry robbery, from going on. That's a little beyond my price range. 
it, it is just so clever. He goes to Aquaman. An aquarium would be nice. I hear they're relaxing. <laughs> This is charming and funny and romantic at all sorts of levels. You also get a Lois who, when you see her to start with, she's running away from the gunfire. She's, she's grabbing some data from some terrible bad guys or whatever. She's Lois the reporter, feisty, spunky, humorous. Mm-hmm. Just really, really the Lois you want to see. These are two characters that belong together. and Whatever else is going on in the books, it <laughs> may be all great, but these are iconic, iconic mm-hmm. power couple of comics. And when you finally get to Superman because of Aquaman's sort of gentle nudging about such things, he finds a gift. And I'm not going to say what or how or why. It sort of involves everyone. And it is just this charming moment of two characters just in love and embracing, you know, sunset behind them and everything else. It's all you can want from a a comic book with Superman and Lois Lane in it. And it makes you pine for them Mm. And those passings. This is silver bronze age goodness at, at every level conceivable. Yeah, it was it was very good. It was charming is the right word for it, absolutely. Um I did really enjoy it. I, I, I found myself uh being a little bit w- actually won over by it. I I really liked the first scene a lot. Uh I like the idea behind the Batman scene. I I didn't like Batman in the scene, yeah. you know, it was just it's very kind of old style right. Batman. He's not yeah. the Snyder Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not even any Batman from the last, you know. No, he's he's yeah. that's the Engelhardt O'Neill, right? The Engel, Batman, yeah, yeah. Engelhardt. So it's been a while since yeah, the, the yeah. years in that Batman. Thirty-five years. Yeah, and he was being a little pithy with, with yeah. everything, so I was I wasn't used to it. So that's you know, I was like, okay, I like the idea behind this book. I'm not sure if I'm going to be sold. And then I love the Wonder Woman scene. I thought I love the idea that Lois Lane buys Wonder Woman gifts yes. for whatever reason for her birthday or, or whatever so that was a very charming thought behind that, that that characters those two characters relationships and I, the aquaman scene was the one that i really that really got me the most i just i loved it it reminded me actually funny enough funny me saying i didn't like the batman scene it reminded me a lot of batman brave and the bold that, that cartoon that was out oh, yeah. a couple of years ago had that same sort of tone and tenor to it uh yeah it was a lot of fun and, and the ending is good i, I like the the idea behind what Lois gets for 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 Superman, yeah, it was it was a fun little book, and it's great too because you know it's like nine, it's ninety nine cents, cents. cents, and it, and I mean it's shorter than a, a full comic, but it, it's it's a great little read, and and it, I, I they do a lot of really good stuff with that direct to digital d- those digital books, and it's I've read a few of the Adventures of Superman, I've read a few of the Legends of the Dark Knight, uh, back and forth, so it's cool that they're allowed, they're able to get these writers and artists like Kelly Sue on the book, you know, for one short, short issue allows it to be there a place for them to write a character like superman and not have to be involved in the, in the larger continuity yeah now that i've tried that i will look back to see what creators are doing yeah in the future yeah it's it's a cool it's a cool oh. enterprise for them what dc's digital first adventures of superman ends with issue 51 <laughs> oh yeah i've talked about it I'm sorry, everyone, but they'll be on Comixology or Amazon. Oh, yes, or they will. Yeah, they will be. And I think they're starting another Superman series. I don't remember what it was, but there's some other Superman series starting. Yeah. Uh, they, they, Legend of the Dark Knight is also over. They kind of cycle in these things. I think every once in a while. Um, yeah, but good pick, Bob. I was, I was glad I got, I read it. That I was actually a book I was supposed to read that I read the right book, and it really? was, okay. I didn't read some weird other version. Though I did almost the read cat version? the cat version, which would have been also very enjoyable if I had read mm. that. Um, all right anything else you want to say about nope superman? i think that's sews it all up awesome nobody else read it right i don't want to i don't want to skip anybody no i didn't get a chance to read it okay all right so stephanie let's go over to you 
Let's talk about Business Cat. Finally, we, we previewed oh, it earlier. I'm so excited. <laughs> so as I mentioned before, if I had added um, Captain Action Cat to my books of the week, there'd be a lot of cat books because, you know, Adventures of Business Cat is my first book. And it's not a book. It's a webcomic. Um, just starting things off, the website is businesscat.happyjar.com. And this is a story about a cat, and he's a businessman. And I, I mean that in, he's really a businessman. Like he's got the body of a man, but the head of a cat. This is not what I was expecting. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> so, like, the official thing, I'm just, because it's funny, that's all. Like, I, I like putting this into my own words, but I really like the synopsis as well. So, CEO, business maverick, cat. A shrewd businessman and a hard-hitting executive, business cat is not afraid to milk the corporate cash cow for his taste of the big time. He pushes the envelope with his integrated approach, maximizing leverage, downsizing, right-sizing, and other business things. In his free time, business cat enjoys relaxing on a 16-karat gold yacht and receiving belly scratches from high-end escorts. <laughs> Where can I find this book? I, I might start reading it right now. Seriously, businesscat, all one word, dot happy jar, also all one word, dot com. I and, will send you the link. You know, the whole thing, it's it's done by a guy named uh, Tom Fonder. He writes it and illustrates it, um, but the whole thing was, you know, thought up by him and some a, a girl named Rachel Robbins. Um, but, you know... I'm on Tumblr and like I wind up at tum on Tumblr at like 3 a.m. and I that's where I first saw somebody posting about Business Cat, and um, it, it's like three panel, uh, it's a three panel strip, and you know the first one is these owners and they're looking at their cat and they're like, oh, he's dreaming, and then you see he's dreaming of being a CEO, mm -hmm. and then it carries on from there, and you know like I guess actually some of them are more than just three panels it's sort of but, like the sunday pages i guess yeah but he's doing businessy things and you know his briefcase has all of the you know business in it and that business involves mice yeah and rattly toys <laughs> and you know like i think my favorite there's a bunch of other ones too that are just great but like one of my favorite ones is one of the employees comes into work and there's a dead bird on his paper That's like my on his favorite desk too. <laughs> and the guy's just like looking at it like oh my god this is the worst and then like business cat comes in and does like finger guns and is like you earned it <laughs> here's your raise what is that the title of that strip it's it's a raise or it's, here's your raise or something <laughs> it's like the best it's it's this guy, uh, Tom Fonder, putting doing like a business person strip for like ninety percent of it, and then like the last panel is like, "What happens if these business things are done, but the person is a cat?" And like it's it's so ridiculous, and like it's not even just for people like me who are crazy cat people. It's legitimately hilarious, um, you know, like. Business cat, we need you to land this account with Tokyo Motor. It's impression. He's like, I'll dial up the charm. And then he starts like rubbing up on all the <laughs> businessmen, like purring and being like, hey, guy. <laughs> and their look is is uh, priceless. The, the Japanese businessmen are looking, what is this going on? <laughs> it's, 
It's so great. They don't. It's not really weekly. I don't think. Like it's just kind of when they have a new strip to put post up. But when they do, it's gold. It's <laughs> gold. So um, that's my first book of the week. It's really simple too. I mean, it's like never any backgrounds really, other than a window or a wall or a cat poster. <laughs> but I don't know. This comic just gets me. Bob, uh, you read this too, right? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And just because it, I read, remember reading this Bill Watterson talking once about how hard it is to draw simple strips. You know, you, it's, it's great if you can draw Prince Valiant and castles and moats and horses and armies. But he was really commenting on how hard it would have been for Charles Schultz to get peanuts to be right and proper and balanced. There's only one thing in the panel that's got to look perfect. This is a very simple strip, but it's beautifully, beautifully drawn. The jokes pay off. The, the, the rhythm of it is amazing. And it's just so insane that mm-hmm. you, you just chuckle at the very idea of it. You start looking at the first panel. It's, it's, a, it's a three-piece gray suit with a cat head on top of it. It's just ludicrous, but it works. And he has, yeah, he has like people hands and stuff too. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just great. I think you're describing it pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to have a crossover with Tiger Lawyer. <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> I'm seeing a theme with the things that I pick. Yeah, they have felines in them. Yeah. <laughs> with felines pretending to be human. Yeah, sorry. Well, they're not really pretending. They embrace their them. <laughs> they're not. They're not ashamed. <laughs> no, they're not. Oh, man. <laughs> so... How's everyone doing? So that's Adventures of Business Cat. And we'll put a link to the, the strip uh, in, in the post so people can, people can check that out. So continuing on, Stephanie, <laughs> obviously on the same vein as a cat businessman, tell me about Transformers Windblade number one. Yeah. I, I mean, I brought up when we were doing new releases last week <clears throat> that this was an interesting book in the sense that it's, I think, the first Transformers book um, – with like a i think the female character as like the lead and then it's an all-female team um working on the book so uh we have margaret scott uh she wrote it and then art by sarah stone i believe um let me just take a look here yeah so art by sarah stone and first of all just like the art is stunning it's gorgeous it's gorgeous yeah yeah and like the colors, I mean, there's not really, I mean, there's obviously line work, but, you know, you don't even notice it because the colors just, you're just so focused on how everything kind of flows together. And it's like looking at a painting a lot of the time. It's, it's not quite that Dexter Soy kind of look, but um, I don't know. It's kind of, I'm trying to think of, oh, I, I want to say Amala's Blade was like this, but I, I think I might be wrong. Anyways, but the art is beautiful bright colors and well for wind blade and uh you know just uh, gorgeous i don't know if sarah stone did the colors as well there's no colorist listed so, so i would I'm, say so probably right yeah yeah i would assume just so, say art but, by that it must encompass everything yeah but on you know idw site uh they also list sarah or casey kohler caller as one of the artists so i'm not sure what Casey did for the book, because it's not listed in the actual book IDW. Oh, it's the cover. 
Oh, is it? Yeah. So I'm looking at the credits right now. It says story by um, Mar- Marguerite Scott, uh, mm-hmm. art by Sarah Stone, letters by Chris Mowry, and cover by Casey M. Kohler. That is not actually in my book. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Anyways, so, you know, the story, I, I think, you know, Bob and Steve and Bobby even and I, we, we poke fun at the Transformers books and all that stuff. But, I mean, it's not because we don't have, we have something against them. It's because we haven't read them and they have ridiculous names. Yes. Right, it's about the names. Yes, it's all about the names. It has nothing to do with the, the content of the books at all. So, you know, like, but to be fair, none of us have really ventured into the book's because nothing's really, I don't think, caught our eye. Mm-hmm. And for me, this book, you know, is a stepping stone. And I wanted to see what it was all about. You know, the character itself was fan-made, I believe. Um, yes, And it then, was. again, with all of the people involved being women, it seemed like a really good thing to check out. Um, the story, it's kind of, it's interesting. It's, it's, it doesn't strike me as necessarily a Transformer story. There's Transformers characters and, you know, they're robots and all of a sudden they transform into jets and go away. But at the heart of it, it's kind of just a regular people story and the people acting out the story happen to be Transformers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the whole thing is Windblade is, again, I don't know what's really happened before this. Um, they, they touch on it a bit. And you don't need the previous story, but they give you a little bit anyways. But there are some um, little bits and pieces of what happened previously that threw me off a little bit. Anyways, but um, Windblade is on the planet with the Transformers. Dark Cybertron or Cybertron, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And um, she's there still. I- I'm getting that she's an important person, like sort of a diplomat or something. Um. And she's she's helping them rebuild the city, and she's one of the only people that speaks um, a language to speak to the Transformer Titans. Uh, the language I think is called um, I, don't, I don't actually know what the language is called, but anyways, um, only the city speakers learn the language, and she's one of those. So she's able to communicate with the Titans, and the Titans control the power for the city and things like that. Um, after the war, the city's really damaged and she's trying to find out what's going on, why power isn't being restored. And <clears throat> there's some sinister, shady characters about that are trying to strong arm her into doing things their way. <laughs> and she won't have none of it. <laughs> so she's trying to find, you know, she's trying to find out what's going on. Um, and I don't want to get into the plot because obviously if this sounds like something you might be interested in, I want you to read it yourself, but you know, I I thought maybe, and I know this is me being really biased, but I thought maybe I would get bored with it and kind of not make my way through it or whatever, just because Transformers isn't typically my thing, but I, I got through the whole book and I enjoyed it a lot. I thought the writing was good. I thought the art was just like stunning. The art, honestly, is worth picking up this book for alone. Like, it's just beautiful. Um, she makes, you know, robots look artsy and fancy. <laughs> but they're still robots. Like, she doesn't take away, like, the, the style, her style doesn't take away 
from what they are. Um, it just, it, it's just great. Hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I, I didn't get a chance to read the whole thing. I bought it last night in my, my attempt to read everything. And the first thing I was struck by, I've, I've opened up Transformers books before. I've never thought the art, I thought the art was good, but I was floored by what the art looked like when I opened this one up. I was really, it was so surprised. at how beautiful showed it to me. It yeah, is amazing. How beautiful, how beautiful it is. Uh, unbelievable. And I was curious when you said you were going to do it about, as someone, like you said, who hasn't read any of this stuff before, uh, if you were able to just kind of enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, there were a few things that I just didn't get. Like, um, you know, for me, I know some of the bigger characters and there's, um, they bring them up, but only briefly. Um, there's a different shift in power uh, on Cybertron or Cybertron. And a lot of stuff that happened in the big event that came before this um, shapes this book. And I didn't really understand what's happening. And again, there's a little previously on, in Transformers thing that fills me in on important stuff, but um, I, I, I didn't really know what was happening there, but it didn't really bother me. You know, the story is pretty focused on Windblade and what she's doing now. Um, you know, like it's kind of, they drop you into the story and you know, the wars happened. They tell you that and Mostly it's just about their recovery and what they're doing to make things better and how Windblade is part of that. Um, the only things I think that were like a little bit confusing was like who Windblade is, like where she came from. And they allude to that a little bit as well, which, you know, helped. But I'm not sure if um, that was talked about previously or it was intentionally left out to be revealed later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like my only real problem with this and other like sort of number ones like it is, I, I, I don't know if I'm being intentionally left in the dark. Right. Gotcha. Um, and obviously I won't know for a while, but I am, I thought that the content was good enough, the art and the writing, um, to make me at least check out number two. It's only a mini series. So, uh, there's four issues that are going to come out from IDW. So, I mean, that's not a lot of time and money to invest in. Mm-hmm. And I think I'd like to see how Margaret Scott and uh, Sarah Stone, you know, continue this arc. Awesome. Wow. Awesome. So that's Transformers Windblade number one. Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought you were just, I didn't realize you were waiting for me to say something. I'm sorry. Like, no, it's uh-huh. all right. It's okay. Um, and obviously, uh, Adventures of Business Cat as well. Mm. Um, so, Justin. You're up, my friend. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Superior Spider-Man number thirty-one first. Uh, so this is this is no secret. This is the end of the Superior Spider-Man storyline. Uh, we're not going to get into plot specifics. Obviously, we'll talk about general impressions, and and, that, and that's it. Um, so, Justin, you mentioned before how Spider-Man is the reason why you got back into reading comics, and how have you felt about this this um, Doc Ock Odyssey that we've been on for the last year plus, I guess now. And how did you feel about how he wrapped it up? Originally in, uh, I think it was 698 when it was revealed, I was like, oh, it's like that horrible feeling. Like, you know, like, you know, this is going to happen. There's nothing you can do about it. But I was on board. Like, I like Dan Slott as a writer. Um, and I was like, all right, you know, it's not going to be for, he's obviously not dead forever. So let's just go with it and we'll see what happens. And I thought the entire run was really good. Um, 
I think it's one of those books that doesn't get mentioned very often. Like, it doesn't ever get to the like the highs of like a, a really great Scott Snyder Batman, but it's always in that like this is a good book, and some issues got up to that like this is like a really really good book. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I thought it was just a really fun thirty-one issues. I thought some of the ideas and concepts in the beginning, I was like, he really is the better Spider-Man. Like early on, there's a picture of him. Um, on Spider I on Spider Island, sitting back in his chair. I can't lean back. You can't. You, can, you actually can't do that. Justin. I can't do. It. He's sitting back in his chair. He's got his mask off, and he's got his hand on his chin, and he has like the robots, like the little spider robots, like crawling down him and stuff. And he's thinking about how can I be better at stopping crime. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> like this needs to happen more. Like they need to incorporate this when Peter comes back. And towards the end of the book, you see, you saw the the blocks falling before they did, and now the blocks have all fallen down at the end of last issue uh peter comes back Mm. doc ock does the right thing sacrifices himself so that he can save anna maria because doc ock loves this woman and so ock realizing that peter is the true superior spider-man so this issue picks up right after then and it is a balls to the wall issue there is action nonstop in this book some of the uh the plot points i wasn't that thrilled with uh, the identity of the Goblin King, I kind of felt was a letdown. Um, when you see it, you're going to be like, hmm, okay. And you're going to have to read the text to see what's going on. It's not something that you're going to instantly uh, come away knowing what's going on. Uh, but there are some like really good par- uh, points in this book. When the Goblin King knows that it's Peter Oh, it's an amazing mask, moment. It, I, a- I, I tweeted a picture of it to Rob when it happened. It's just like a perfect Spider-Man moment. It is. The reason why the Goblin King realizes that it's no longer Ock under the mask is awesome. It's just perfect. And then what Peter says, like, it yeah. just is like, it's short to the point, but very final. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, I think the best part about the Spider-Man books are the supporting cast. I think he has a, a terrific supporting cast. And uh, I thought that Carly, for the last... I'll say the entire Superior run, but even before that, an amazing. I thought Carly was a terrific addition to the cast. She's a strong character who knows what she wants. And towards the end of this book, you have resolution with her. You have resolution with Mary Jane. Uh, the Anna Maria stuff, not so much. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to see where that goes. Um, but o- all in all, I thought it was a really nice wrap-up. Um, some of the plot points, we'll have to see where it goes. Um, but I thought it was strong. I thought, it, you know, he finished it strong and you now walk away even like me. I, I was really liking the Otto stuff and I walk away and I'm like, yeah, Peter is the better Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. It's like you forget, you forget. And then that moment comes and you're like, yeah. Right. Yeah. I I loved issue 30 so much. I thought the end of issue 30 was perfect. Yes. And there are moments in this issue that I think are great. I I feel as almost that this should have been amazing Spider-Man number one instead of Superior Spider-Man number 31, because honestly, the story of Superior Spider-Man really ends in, in the previous issue. Uh, I thought some of the moments where he was like, no, that wasn't me. Like, Oh, with uh, little, Miguel? Yeah, I mean, they were a little too easy. Yeah. You know, they're, they're ones that I feel like slap built up, and I feel like they aren't delivered on great. I mean, not that I want to see a ton of storylines about him having to prove to people that he is good, but I felt like some of it was a little bit too easy when it had been built up beforehand. Uh, but I do, you're absolutely right. I, I was loving the auto stuff and I always wanted Peter back, but I didn't realize how much I wanted him back 
until that until that closing page of issue 30 and then now into this issue some of those moments are just great to have him back it's just great for the 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 sarcasm to be back in in the fold again and it's funny because that's kind of how people can tell yeah. in a way that oh some, wait a second he's kind of acting like himself again yeah and in the stuff with miguel i mean he could pretty much just go because comic books yeah exactly and it's like, oh all right no problem yeah that's basically what he says to miguel yeah <laughs> It's like, uh, yeah, all right, I can go with that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the art is great. Uh, mm-hmm. The art is, uh, for this one, you know, they have that rotating artist. It's uh, Giuseppe Camincoli. Mm-hmm. Terrific, terrific interior art. Uh, and it, you know, it changes the status quo a bit um, with some of the the uh, surrounding characters. But I'm super pumped for Amazing. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I like I like the stuff with Jonah. I thought that stuff was, was yeah. cool. I, I think it did a good job. And, and I'm very excited. I mean, we don't have to wait very long. Nope, because it's really? coming out today. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure, right? Ooh. Or is it next week? I think it's next week. Oh, it's I next week. I think it's week. first week of April. Oh, uh, okay. All right. And you almost get, you got me very excited. <laughs> sorry, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to, to mess Spider-Man you up there. Spider-Man Weekly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anything else you want to say about Superior? Nope. All right. I think uh, Superior uh, is pretty well wrapped up. Yeah. Superior Spider-Man number thirty-one. We say goodbye and we welcome Amazing Spider-Man next week. And then the other book you want to talk about was. The Joiners in 3D. Now, this is David Marquez, who is was an artist, is an artist on um, Ultimate Spider-Man, and it's a very interesting book. So, why don't you tell people about the book? Okay, so uh, I had heard about this book, and I wasn't going to pick it up. It's a graphic novel. I collect graphic novels, um, but I was like, yeah, you know, 3D kind of seems like a gimmick. Uh, but then I, I, I researched it a little bit more and. Uh, for those who don't know what the book about is about, instead of me just trying to explain it, I'm just going to read the synopsis sure. on the back. It says, the future's got it all. Flying cars, floating skyscrapers, robot butlers, infidelity. <laughs> Regardless of the technolo- uh, technological advances made by the year 2062, people are still just as fallible as they've been for thousands of years. Brilliant engineer George Joyner has just invented a revolutionary device that will change the course of human history. Yet George is teetering on the edge of self-destruction thanks to his selfishness, narcissism, and relentless pursuit of success in the business world. The Joiners in 3D is a complete account of the sudden unraveling of the perfect family of the future and the hubris that brings George professional demise. Hmm. So, you know what's going to happen in the book before you read the book. Mm -hmm. They've already told you that his demise is coming. Same thing with Superior. You see the blocks falling Mm -hmm. before they fall. I usually don't like these type of books, but I went with it anyway. And it's really good. <laughs> uh, Meet Joy. Uh, this book is heavily, heavily inspired by the Jetsons. There's even. Jetsons uh, meets uh, American Beauty, it sounds like. Yes, yeah. that's, that's a perfect. I was trying to think. It's the Jetsons meets what? American Beauty is perfect. Um, more perfect than you realize. <laughs> um, they even, I mean, the, the Jetsons, they live in. They live in um, floating skyscrapers visiting the like the actual surface is like an expensive trip like not many people get to do that they, they mentioned like you, like most people have to just go to like the dump that's the moon <laughs> um the 3d in the book is tricky it's not a gimmick I, I think that they really wanted to portray a sense of futurism and i'm not going to spoil what the uh the invention he builds is but what's neat is that they build up to it. They kind of show you, like, this is going to be a big deal. They show you the, the Wright brothers building a plane. And then 
um, Bill Gates working on the first Apple computer, like major monumental things in technology. And then they show you him figuring this out. And it's a cool idea. But at the beginning of the book, you already know this is all going bad. And my only problem with the book is it's just not long enough. Um, the 3D, like I said, the art is great. I mean, David Marquez is, is a terrific artist, but you're not used to seeing stuff that's not in color. So it's a little bit disconcerting at times. Um, but I like how they drum sometimes with no eyes, no mouth, <laughs> like here. But you don't even notice. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it just fits in perfectly. Um, I can't recommend it enough. I think it's a, uh, the 3D is, it's not a gimmick. It's, it's interesting. It's hard to read all at one time. And if you're going to read this book, they recommend that you do it in like natural light. Um, but like I said, it's, it's good stuff. My only wish is that it was longer. The mm-hmm. end comes before you're ready for it too. Well, interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I remember him, he talked about it a bunch, um, like on Twitter, on his blog and stuff about how painstaking and long it took to make the book. I can't imagine because of the process of creating the, the 3D. It, it's it's one of those crazy things that only a company really like Arkea is going to do, right? Yeah. You know, a lot of companies are going to release a like how much is it? It says thirty dollars on the back of the book. Yeah, but if you go to any of the online websites, uh, like I, I go to In Stock Trades and mm. I got this for like fourteen. Oh wow, that's yeah. great then. You it know, was a great price. Yeah. But not a lot. Not a lot of companies are going to put out thirty dollar trades of things that aren't collected single issues or uh you know a, a very well known artist or or property and so it's very cool that a book like that can exist from a company like Arkea. it's just a, like also neat the way they they do certain things like you know like instead of just showing him sitting in a car and him having thought bubbles or whatever they actually have a page where like they break down and they like they open up his head and show like mm. all right at his, like right now these are the things at the top level that he's worrying about and the things that are in the middle and then like a constant state of worry way at the bottom that he's not worrying about when you read what the constant state of worry is you're like oh wow like you find out that he's not exactly the guy that you root for. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes you hear those things about these brilliant men like um, Steve Jobs could be abrasive at times and not the most friendly person in the world. Um, if you dig into his personal life, it's kind of a mess. And this is that. Um, so, you, like, you're, gonna, you're getting it from that perspective. And uh, like I said, when the end comes, you just... You wish that you could stay in this world longer. The, the world is so interesting when you see the things that, they, that they're doing in the future and that when they come down to the planet and the, just the, uh, the overall technology that they have. Like, I wanted to be in this world for a longer amount of time, but it just it wasn't meant to be. Right. Interesting. Very cool. Well, that's the joiners in 3D. Yep. Thank you very much, Justin. Uh, so for me, I, wanna, I was going to talk about Batman Eternal number two, just to kind of give an idea of like what I think the the value proposition is so far of a of a, of a weekly book, um, I, I maybe we sh- should hold off till the the month is done before I do that. So because it's kind of the first chunk of it, I will say this just very quickly about it. The first issue I did not love. I thought that not a lot happened, and for three bucks weekly, some stuff better happen. <laughs> you know, I can't I can't I can't be in a holding pattern with your weekly yep. book. It's just got to move. Uh, issue two, I think, resolves a lot of the issue. Issue two moves very, very quickly and and does a lot of stuff and starts to introduce new new wrinkles to to Gotham and um, some pretty good Catwoman stuff as well in, in the issue. Uh, but I don't want to get too deep into it because I feel like after a month we'll be able to kind of talk more about the story and where it's going and if it's worth it. Stephanie, I just want to know. I know that you had read the first issue, right? Correct. Did you did you read the second one? 
I haven't heard the second one yet. I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I, I thought that the first um, was a bit weird. It wasn't the direction that the preview in Batman had led me to kind of believe it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you guys know, I was really excited about it. Um, I'm sure that's what's co- it's coming at. They're building it, and you kind of have to, you know, you can't give everything that away all up front. But, you know, with a weekly series where they are asking for a lot of money, you know, monthly, what is it? did you say, three bucks? So three bucks, 12 yeah. Twelve bucks a month? Twelve bucks a month? Enough, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Most months, I mean, yeah. that's pretty significant. I mean, in comic book terms, that's a trade. That's an entire trade from Image or, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Whatever, like that's a lot of money dedicating to a book that's starting off with a lot of filler. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's just a first issue. Uh, I, I haven't read the second one. I'm going to. I just haven't. Yeah. Well, issue, the, thing about, the good thing about issue two is that issue two begins to um, bring in more of the bat family you know we, uh, you know red robin shows up like i said catwoman is part of the story so you get the sense of kind of the pitch of the book is now coming to fruition a little bit more the first well the first issue really deals with one event and i it, and it if it, it doesn't feel like enough of a story for the for the first book this deals with the aftermath of that and we get the return we get kind of the idea of at least the who the villain's going to be for the the first little bit of, of this story. So all those things equal a much more enjoyable issue to the point where if this was a monthly issue of a book, I would be very happy with it. Um, but I don't know how that's going to stand up to a, a weekly release after release. So we'll have to see about that. It, it's definitely think about it, It's definitely good. Like it's well-written. The art is very, very nice. Um, I just, it, it's gotta be kind of special to take my money every single month. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see, you know, how, how that goes about. Um, after we we, you know, we talked about the Eisners uh, last week, and one of the books we talked about, one of the ones that was nominated, was Nowhere Men um, by Eric Stevenson from Image. And I said, well, you know, I better I better read Nowhere Men because it's nominated for the Eisner, and I want to know what the deal is. Um, it's it's written by Eric Stevenson, art by uh, Nate Bel- Belgrade, and colors by uh, Jordi Belair, of course. She, she colors everything. She colors Just everything, about. unless it's what Matt Hollingsworth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I got this the the trade of the of the, the volume one trade is ten bucks normally I got it for five ninety nine on Amazon um, so it's definitely worth a purchase in, in that way and I, I've read the uh, the first issue plus so far from Nowhere Men and the premise is is interesting so there is this group of scientists and they're kind of like the Beatles of scientists you know there's uh, I think there's is there four or five I gotta look I think there's four and they all they, they start a company and the, you know there there's four and they're they're trying to there's try a, a company that is all about research is all about doing the right thing and that's how the book starts with them kind of walking to a press conference to announce this company and then we quickly fast forward to you know I I don't know exactly how many years it's many years later is what they called and the company who's whose goal was to be this altruistic science center has now become this global giant corporation Oops. that has dangerous and morally questionable actions going on at all times. And <clears throat> the interesting thing about Nowhere Men is that, especially in the first issue, it ping-pongs around between a lot of different people. And 
there's this group of scientists who we, we kind of get at the beginning of the issue and after the beginning of the issue we're we're away from them and we're in this 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 colony where these people are sick they ha- they've come down with some sort of disease and it's not necessarily going to kill them but it's deforming them and there's no cure and they they all work for this corporation and, and they're pretty sure that they're going to be quarantined and left to die unless unless they do something and I mean, it's it's a, the first issue was kind of a cool magic trick because they do they set up this idea of this community and then when they reveal where this community is, it like my my head exploded. Oh. Um, it, it was it was a very cool twist and it's extremely smart and and clever. The first issue it does this thing where where it can go either way when books do this, but it doesn't so much go like this is the world to kind of deal with it, but it doesn't lay out for you all of the rules of the world and however who everyone is to everyone else it kind of sets up a, a very loose skeleton of what's going on and then kind of thrusts you in and you start to learn what's going on just by by existing in in, in the world they're existing and uh, here i think it works it works very well and then it seems like each issue ends with basically like you know two full pages of text this is a this one's a magazine article or i say an article i'm not sure if it's a magazine article or a blog or, or whatever uh, about one of the founding members of, of the company. And it reminds me a lot, those things remind me a lot kind of what Alan Moore would do in Watchmen and stuff like that. You know, those big pages of text that were, you know, uh, pages from under the hood or or, yeah. or whatever. So it, it's very literary, uh, very cool. You know, their, their slogan, which is, you know, science is the new rock and roll is, I expected it to be more like, I guess, punk sensibility. You know, it's kind of, we're kind of, badass scientists do whatever we want kind of thing that's not really what it's about it's it's much it's much more focused i think on it, it comments on what happens to very very smart people when they become the people who are in power uh but it's also kind of a fun science fiction tale as well uh i'm only oh, again i'm only an issue plus into it but i found it to be very intriguing the art is also very nice you know it's the thing about the art is i, I wouldn't say the art is special like i it's it looks like a lot of other image books but it is nonetheless beautiful and effective art uh and and i think that i'm very interested to keep going and see where it goes and what it is and stories that are this smart are the kind of stories that i think are perfect for this format as well reading in a trade Mm. because i feel like if i was reading month to month i would be lost (laughs) i wouldn't know what to do while reading it but it's 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 very cool. I mean, um, I don't know. If, I don't think anyone else has read it here, right? I have the graphic novel. I got it oh, like two weeks ago, and I yeah. just haven't cracked it open yet because I thought the same thing. Like when I saw the uh, the advertisement for Nowhere Men, and I was like, oh, I I definitely want to check this out. And then I picked up the first issue and was like, nope, I'm gonna wait because <laughs> it just it Black Science is like the same way to me. Like I want to read Black Science altogether. Um, but yeah, like the art looks just like the Manhattan Projects to me. It does. Yeah, it does. It's very similar. Yep. Uh, really cool book though. Nowhere men. The first trade, like I said, it's ten dollars, full price. Uh, I got it for five ninety nine on Amazon. Image is the best. It, it, it's it's it, it's such a they make it so easy to to at least try out their series. You know uh, that's what I think is great about them. Stephanie, you haven't read this book, right? No, no, I want to. I'm in the same boat as you guys. I have a digital copy of it, and it's just. It's been sitting on my iPad for a while. I haven't read it. Mm. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. So I want to, but yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to finish it up and I'll, I'll, I'll mention it probably a little bit more, maybe in our, in our, our lightning round sometime mm-hmm. in, in the future, but that's uh nowhere men, um, uh, the volume one from, from image comics. I tell you, lots of science comic books between yeah. Manhattan projects and Bureau of physics and yeah. Black and science and yeah. yeah. And yet there's a thing in the paper that the science is drifting away from the American society. Oh wow, really? We're, we're like about fifty-fifty to evolution, and <laughs> it was okay, pretty <laughs> scary. So maybe comics will bring it back. Maybe they will. Maybe they will. Yeah, and I, I found that I, I do really love those those. I mean, I knew that from movies, but it's in the last couple of months I've been reading more and more of the science fiction books, and I've been really really loving them. So really cool stuff. Definitely check it out if you have a extra six dollars to, to, to pick it up. It's something definitely worth the read. Uh, so, uh, actually, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk about our little um, our little topic we want to talk about, and then do our, our listener questions, uh, some technical issues to resolve before, before, before we go on. So, take a little break. We'll be right back. We are back, and we're going to be doing some listener questions. But before we get there, um, I know there's something that Bob was very passionate about that he wanted to talk about th- this week, and we want to get to that. We want to, we want to give some time to that. So, Bob, why don't you you start out the discussion, and we'll we'll kind of go from there. Sure. In the every week, we do a favorite covers mm. column, and I, I try to stay really positive. And there was one really great cover this week that was from a sort of unexpected source, but actually I shouldn't say that because the, the Cliff Chan covers on Wonder Woman have been really, really mm-hmm. good. But with the uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws art we saw a couple of weeks ago, the promo art, and now these other two, we've got a Batman Wonder Woman cover. I uh, Is it number 29 or 30? I 30, guess. I 30. believe it's 30. Where I'm not sure what's going on with Wonder Woman. When you see her on the Wonder Woman 30 cover completely in control, dressed sort of appropriately. Here, she looks like a, as nothing more than a silicone blow-up doll with a chest about 48 double D, a vacant stare on her face. She looks something like Kim Novak did at the Oscars. <laughs> and, uh, it's, and her waist is about 13 inches around. She looks like Vampira. And it's just not... Great. I mean, her. It's just not good, and 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 I, I could almost put that aside. It's just odd. It's sort of a teen fantasy sort of cover, not so amazing. The the one that really hurts for me is I really loved the last Justice League. It was number twenty nine or twenty eight. Was the last one with the Justice League? Uh, the yeah, Man? I think so. Yes. Okay, and. So this issue, it's the Justice League is still gone, so the metal men are taking their place. And in the background, it's it's them being Superman and Batman and all these heroic things, fighting some bad guy cyborg, taking t- charge right in the middle. And at the lower left of this, and it's in, in essence your entry into the cover, it's Platinum, Tina, as I remember from my days reading The Metal Men, done up like Wonder Woman with a sword and the headpiece, and she is basically visiting the gynecologist. 
her legs are splayed, and basically you're looking up into her business. <laughs> and it, it's just wildly off to me. And before I, I even brought this up and put it into Steve's column, I, I sent this around to folks for the impression that it wasn't just me sort of seeing it this way. And I've gotten positive response to my negative response. I understand these books are now for teens, and they're certainly... The, the, they've made DC has made comments how they are aiming at, at older readers and men, mm. and this just strikes me as being not good. Uh, our contributor Carolyn Coca has done some research and all these sort of things, put numbers to some of this. And a really interesting number is that in on the covers of female-led books, the feminine characters, the leads, are objectified only about twenty-five percent of the time. On the covers of teen books, which are, I guess, for a more mixed audience or more guys, it's it's something around 70%. Mm. And so we have two of these, and it's just it's just a disturbing trend to me and that it's happening you know, a couple of times in the course of a month. So that's where I want to go. What is everyone's feeling as we look at some of these? Um, you know what, uh, uh, Bob? I mean, I've seen some very objectionable covers in in the time we've been we've been doing the show. Mm-hmm. Honestly, neither one of these covers, I, I, the pose on the Just League book, I I totally understand why it bothers you. Uh, to me, you know, I, I guess it's I, I don't know what it was for me. It just looked like an action pose to me. I didn't even think of it that way. You know, I just saw it was kind of like in like a down and action pose, like getting ready to mm-hmm. strike. That's what I saw it as. Um, so to me, it didn't strike me. And the funny thing is about. The Wonder Woman cover, and the Wonder Woman cover uh, kind of bothered me even less, especially, I mean, I don't know if you saw any of the interiors of it, um, mm-hmm. but she looks very different on the interiors of the book than she looks yeah, same on the cover. Same artist or different artist? Same artist. It's very strange. Um, I mean, he's, That is strange. He has other people with him on the cover, but it seems like the normal the normal team. No, the inside, you're showing me the inside, yeah. and it is definitely more respectful. Yeah, I mean, she is burly in the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which she, right, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, um, so on the cover, she has pipe cleaners for arms. It's that's what yeah. it's weird. I you know I didn't, but it's funny that you brought this up, and I'm actually I'm glad you brought it up because I didn't even like compare and contrast the interiors. I guess it's probably because I don't really the covers to me unless they're like something spectacular. I don't even really notice them that often. Mm-hmm. I'm just I just go in, into the book. The difference between the way she looks inside Batman and Robin, I mean Batman and Wonder Woman uh, thirty, and the way she looks on the outside is really really different. Um, his art in general is very different on the covers than it is yeah. in the interior. She has a human waist inside. It doesn't look yeah. like she'd crack in half <laughs> if she bent over. The art, the art um, in in the actual interiors is much is much thicker. Yeah, I'd have no complaint with this. Yeah, art on the inside. Yeah, but again, that's they're selling it based on the cover to right. perhaps a different audience. Yeah, it's it's same too because it was a pretty cool story too in mm-hmm. Batman and Wonder Woman number thirty. A good uh, a relationship not often explored in the New Fifty Two. The, the the Bruce uh, Diana relationship, uh, and it's 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 done very very well in, in this book, dealing with some you know Greek god stuff, obviously, and, and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Shame too, because the Justice League book was also very very good. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed the last issue. They were yeah. very respectful to my childhood favorites, and yeah. I, I had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't I couldn't put three dollars into their pocket mm-hmm. off of that cover. We did, I don't think we spoke about it on on the show last week, but uh, there were the, the kind of very awful threats made against uh, a woman who, who wrote an article because she didn't like a cover. And, you know, we, I don't want it to, it's not interesting to me to talk about her article and what, and what we agree or disagree with it because it doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. It, um, you know, she got rape threats 
for not liking a cover. And I, I don't care if it was, I, I don't care if it's about thinking a character's a, a, a cover is ob- objectifying someone. If you just don't like a cover, if you don't like a character, it, I, I've never heard of something more ridiculous than something over right. ar- art and someone's criticism of art getting rape threats. It's, 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 it's patently ridiculous and inexcusable in any section of society uh, and, and cannot be laid up to, well, you know, it's just the way people are in this in, in on the internet. It, it's not. It's not acceptable. It, it's not. There's no point where it can possibly be. If if you're a person who wishes to cause somebody emotional harm, because I doubt that any of these people have the actual intention of ever doing anything physically. Mm-hmm. Um, but these people want to. They want to be heard. They want to feel like they're making making a, a imprint, and the best way to do that for them is to emotionally abuse someone. And it's just a horrible, you know, horrible thing. And I, if that is your intention in life, if that's what gets, makes you feel worthy as a person, you need to re-examine who you are and possibly get some help because it's not a healthy way Amen. to live your life. Um, it's just, it's just ridiculous. And whether, and it's funny because that the, the it's all about this, this Teen Titans cover, which I don't even care about about the cover of the book, it, you know whether you like it or you don't like it or whatever. Just the, the distilling it down to the, the to the the bare bones of not only the the disgusting aspect of it, but the sheer stupidity of saying you didn't like this art person who has no control whatsoever of what this book gets published, <laughs> what it looks like, anything. You didn't like this book. You didn't like this cover. I'm going to rape you. The, the, it's it's the, the the leap in logic there <laughs> is is so ridiculous, um, and it would be almost so ridiculous it was laughable if it wasn't a prevailing thing on the internet with everybody. I'm not even talking about just pointing towards women. The amount of vile bullshit and bullying that gets thrown at everybody because people get to stand behind a veil of nothingness, a veil of anonymity, it is utterly ridiculous and. I know I'm, um, Steffi and I had like preliminary conversation this week actually about maybe trying to put together some sort of like anti-bullying week or something uh, for the, for the site. Nice. Um, but it's just, it makes me sick to see it because it paints an entire group of people in a, in a, in a very bad light. And it's unfortunate, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 the funny thing is like, I'm sure there are people out there who like that cover for reasons other than these stupid idiotic reasons and a lot of people probably feel like they can't talk about it now because mm-hmm. a group of people have basically ruined it, you know, for everyone. Yeah, the people who might have a legitimate defense, wherever yeah. that might be, are now completely disempowered by yeah. these other well, folks. Well, here's... Mm-hmm. I'm going to actually step up and say something about the cover and step away from this conversation for two seconds. Yeah, go ahead, Stephanie. You know, the cover, for what it was, I didn't even know there was a controversy over this cover until like it happened you know i knew of the controversy and then like i saw the cover and i thought it was just like a mistake i'm like what we're having like rape death threats over Mm -hmm. this for real yeah yeah like i didn't even notice guess what though like you know she did a critique of it she wasn't saying (laughs) she did an accurate critique and that's fine you know, like, that's her opinion on it. But, like, to to speak towards artists and stuff like that, these are artists' interpretations of these characters. And, like, 
it's we we do it all the time I guess you know where we say we don't like the art or whatever but to say that it's wrong mm -hmm. is is tricky you know like you can't say somebody's interpretation is wrong that's like saying their opinions wrong mm -hmm. can't but you know like where you stand on this cover or not like what you guys said that's just ridiculous like seriously yeah a absolutely i mean it and again so i'm that's, and that's what i mean like you know it's tough to even have a real conversation about it anymore because of of what happened around it y you know and you're absolutely right it's like that's i think way more interesting conversation is to have about what what we feel about depictions and what we feel crosses the line yeah. we feel doesn't cross the line and whether you agree with Janelle or not about her critique of, of, of that, of, of that particular cover, the, the, the appropriate response to that is to write to her or comment on her article and go, you know what? I don't agree with you because this, this, and this, you know, not to threaten bodily harm on someone because you don't agree with what they're saying. And again, it's, it's someone who has, people do something that have ingrained anger or, or something that they don't know how to express correctly. Um, and, and it's a, it's a huge shame and it's just, it's, it's amazing to me that something like this will happen. I mean, I, Justin, you've been, you've been, you've been quiet. I don't know if you want to say anything. I just been thinking, uh, I was wondering whether or not I was going to read this. I, I happened to go on comiXology and mm -hmm. was reading up on this when it was in the show notes. And, uh, one of the assaults, uh, that, uh, this writer had against her is written here. And it's vile. Mm -hmm. And it, it's so, like, it was to the point, like, you hear about these things, um, you know, sexual harassment and comments and stuff, but it's not really real. Like, you know, how could it be real to me because I've never experienced it? Mm -hmm. But reading this, like, I kind of want to read this just so people get, an, like, an understanding of what's out there right now. Because we're talking about it, but I think this makes it real. So if it's all right, I just want to read this. Yeah, sure. yeah. Now, it's graphic. I'm not going to censor it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this was, a, this was a comment uh, left on her Facebook page. It says, Women in comics are the deviation, the invading body, the cancer. We are the cure, the norm, the natural order. All you are is a pair of halfway decent tits, a cunt, and a loud mouth. But see, it doesn't matter how loud you get. It doesn't matter how many of your lesbo t uh, Tumblr and Twitter fangirl friends agree with you and reinforce your views. You can be all like, I'm not going to be silent about... Um, Mis uh, why can't I not say this no. word? Misogyny? Mm -hmm. So fuck you. All you want. In the end, all you are is a pathetic little girl trying to affect change and failing to make a dent. You may as well try and drain the ocean of fish. That's the kind of battle you face with people like me. We won't quit. We won't ever stop attacking. We won't ever give up. Like, wow. who says this type of stuff? Like, I realize that's graphic and that, like, that word's probably been never uttered on the air before. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it needed to be said just so people get an idea of, like, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. we're talking about a comic book cover yeah and now like like you said the the discussion about the cover is now null and void like there's never there's not going to be any more discussion about it this is what the discussion is about mm -hmm. it's sickening to me like like i said i had just an outside view of like everything that's going on but reading that it like it makes me angry yeah that people in my community mm. think they can act like this it actually makes me like physically angry yeah it's not just people in our community. It's people in general. Like, I think we're making a big mistake by saying that, you know, in our community. Because it's not social, socially acceptable in any community. Oh, of no. course. No, no, no of course, course not. not. Yeah. I, know, talking, I know what you're saying. I'm yeah, not trying yeah. to. Yeah. 
I just mean there's like, people you know, there's people like this in every walk of life, mm-hmm. and they'll forever baffle me how they they get on with their lives every day. But here in our and I, I, I talk about our community and like mm-hmm. our comic book community where we where we all come together and celebrate the idea of comics that this type of stuff goes on is baffling, upsetting, and infuriating. Yeah. Right. For people who are reading about heroism, mm-hmm. to then turn it around and, okay, you, what lesson have you learned from reading comic books then for all these years that you will go to that length, to that hideous length, yeah. to critique someone who, as you said, Bobby, has no power that DC isn't going to publish those covers, yeah, yeah. or they aren't going to make books with all mm-hmm. that stuff mm-hmm. going on. No. She just didn't like the cover. Explain yeah. why, what her thoughts were about what that could lead to in the future with coarsening of the industry and so on and so forth. Great. You want to argue with her? Mm-hmm. Argue with her. Yeah. An intelligent I- discussion. We ceased having that based on the internet. I will say our community, mm-hmm. thankfully, yes. not. Yeah. We um, have an exemplary group with yeah. us. Sorry, Unlike 70- all of these assholes in this industry... I'd like to see your name on a comic book because mm, you can see yeah. Janelle's name mm-hmm. on a ton of them. Because guess what? She was an editor for DC Comics. You freaking, like, unknowledgeable trolls. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, I mean, and the, 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 and this, is, this goes all walks of life as well, and this is not just here, but the, the use of, and this one comment is a microcosm for a lot of comments that happened. The, the, the idiocy of using words like you know, lesbian as a, you know, as as a derogatory term, how backwards do you think you, how are you? And this idea of we'll never stop, you know? It's almost, it's almost like a supervillain monologue. Yeah. It it is so outside the realm of reality. You can't actually believe it's somebody thinks this way. Yeah. It's it's gone beyond the fact like, oh, this guy must be trolling. Yeah. This guy's got a serious, serious issue. Yeah. It's sociopathic a little bit too, you know. It, mm. It's 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 without regard for people's feelings. It's no, there's no empathy involved. And uh, Bob, before we came to the show today, he pointed out to me. Um, Greg Rucka had written a blog post on on, on his Tumblr. He had seen this the, that shirt at, at WonderCon, right? Which yeah. was that I I like fangirls like I like my coffee. I hate coffee, whatever it was. Yeah. And he wrote this like amazing um, blog, basically a big middle finger up to everyone who who says. You know things like that, I'm basically saying when you when you say that when you, that shirt says it's it's talking to my daughter. Yeah. You know, it's like and, and you basically not allowed to talk to my daughter that way. And it's this amazing amazing blog post that he wrote. And it's on Rucker Writer. Rucker Writer, yeah. It and we we, and we the, you know this is a, a deep discussion that it takes a lot. And there's been a lot of people recently, especially on the internet, um, who have ch- attempted to address this issue kind of head on, dealing with internet bullies and. Um, that's why I always talk about Giant Bomb, Patrick Klepek. He did this thing where he actually, he actually talked to people, interviewed people who, who left these horrible comments wow. uh, on his stories. And he interviewed this guy via Skype. And it, it was like reading a sociopath journal, the way the guy spoke. You know, he, the, the reasons why he did it um, and, and the reasons why he felt like it was okay were, were mind-boggling. It, it was fascinating to listen to, but... There's been this. They've been addressing this, and they did a panel at PAX East. This, you know, the um, internet internet jerks and why I won't let them win, or it's it's something like that. It was all about this, and I feel like it's a problem that's that is so huge right now, and has always been huge. But I feel like people are finally starting to address it, and it's not acceptable anymore for people to act this way on the internet. And 
if the, and I, I'll say this and this is really harsh it's not really harsh at all but if you're one of those people who wrote in to Janelle commented on her in any way in 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 any close to the manner that Justin just read out on our show and you listen to our show please stop listening to our show because I don't want you listening to this show because this is a place where people can be safe and this is supposed to be an example for people to be a different way and just like you said, Justin, it's infuriating and it makes you so angry to to hear things like this, whether it's Janelle or it's a man, a woman, gay, straight, you know, black, white, Asian, whatever. It doesn't matter. People should not treat other people this way. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what, what it is, especially not about a goddamn comic book cover, you know, exactly. for a book that's not even out yet, which you don't even know it's going to be good. It doesn't even matter, you know. Stop trying to take out your insecurities on the world, deal with them yourself, be, be an adult, be a human being, you know, be a man, be a woman, whatever, whatever yeah. you are and deal with your own crap, you know, and don't punish other people because you know how to well, deal with yourself. Right. You just, as a, go ahead, Steph. Yeah. As a possible kind of launch into what I hope, um, you know, will be a week of anti-bullying awareness. If we can kind of get it together, what do you guys think we can do to prevent this kind of behavior and to prevent bullying in general. Yeah. Um, are you, are you putting out the listeners? Or you're, you're asking us. To, to, well, I would like to hear you guys mm-hmm. talk about it quickly. If, if you have an opinion and also the listeners too, you know, in the forums, if, if you have ways to help counteract this and if you have ways to, you know, help ideas actually to help make us an anti-bullying week. A thing I'd like to hear those too yeah absolutely I mean for me personally my idea of it is just it's accountability um, I, I think that the biggest way that you stop it is you just don't let people get away with it yeah call them out every single time because the reason people do is because they feel like they're not gonna get called out that, that they're safe and they deserve to not be safe if you're gonna speak this way to people you deserve to be called out and the prevailing idea I said this before that Oh, it's just the internet. That's what happens. People hate, you know, they do that, they do this. There's a certain amount of criticism allowed and discussion is allowed. But that line, and it's not and it's not a gray line. It's a very clear line. Everyone knows when they're crossing it. Everyone knows when it's been crossed. They can feel it when it's been crossed. And I think that calling people out and calling attention to the fact that the things they're doing are wrong is extremely important. But I think it's also equally as important to highlight the people who do it right and the people who are good. The people do not deserve to be ignored because they, they, they are not assholes. And I think a lot of that has to do with it too. I think a lot of people, a lot of times the negative gets called out much more than the positive. We, 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 we harp on negative. We talk about negative comments, you know, and we don't talk. We, we mention the nice stuff. We go, Oh, that was really nice. And then it's on to talking for an hour about, Somebody didn't rose a bad review on iTunes, you know? So uh, I, I think that recognizing when people are doing something good and rewarding good behavior is just as bad as calling out the bad behavior. That, yeah. I, that's my thought anyway. No, the, the writer of that book mm-hmm. went on to, on the internet to, to, to cry all that was going on to say, look, I don't agree with her about the cover of my book. I think it's a fine cover. Mm. That's where it should stay. Yeah. What, what are you people doing? And mm-hmm. I think he said something similar. Just saying, I don't want you reading my book either. 
Yeah. It's just stay yeah. away from here. And But we too often, even in public, you, 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 a conversation will come, and you're not even in it. But these things will come up, and there'll be a chuckle from someone. Mm-hmm. And we need to make sure we say, well, what if that was your sister or your mother that we're yeah. talking about here? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just not going to be acceptable at any level, and it's not because you can hide, because you shouldn't be able to hide. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Accountability. Mm-hmm. That's, like, that's the main thing. You know, coming as a member of your guys' community and being able to speak for the community tonight, I, I find the forums for the website are terrific. I mean, I've never encountered anything anything even close to negativity or um, attacks on the on the forums at all. And that's something that should be um, lauded, really. And I just uh I I can't I can't encourage people to come uh, and um, share in that more. And also, like I said, accountability. If, you know, this person that we read that tweet from or wherever that Facebook comment, man, if you know somebody like that, man, step in and do something. Like, you know that's not right. You know, you know, you could like, you yourself can make a change. You can make a dent. Like, you can say something and it might not might not mean anything to that person, but you know what? You realized it was wrong and you can make a change for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then step forward and like, put something good into the world. Don't be a negative asshole. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Stephanie, what about you? You know, like I think we're, we're in a new generation where being a geek is okay and accountability is a big thing, but I think, you know, what's been lacking in a lot of, um, you know, our lives is, I mean, we're taught to not bully, but I mean, it's sort of a wag your finger, don't do it. And, I grew up, all of us, I guess, grew up in an era where internet in the house wasn't a big thing. And parents have to reevaluate how they're raising their children now because not only is there like schoolyard bullying and, you know, that sort of thing, but there's the cowards, even cowardly, more cowardly way online behind an avatar or just an anonymous username. Mm -hmm. I mean, and as you know, the new generation of parents, we need to teach our kids that that's not right. And like, you know, for instance, if I ever have like any child that, and I hear that they threaten rape, I will chuck that kid out the door so quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no way. You know, we need to ingrain it in our children that web bullying and all kinds of bullying are not acceptable Mm. you need to teach them an etiquette people just don't know the etiquette for things anymore and they need to it's just yeah like it it's up to us to make these kids into you know good people and you know like obviously it's not as simple as that but i mean the least you can do is just put out your beliefs of what's right and wrong and hope for the best. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And like Stephanie said, we want to hear from you guys. Like, what do you think? What, what are ways to prevent this? What are things that we have to do as a community, as a society to help make it better? And, And we'll, we'll try to do our best to organize that week. And as much as it's our kind of mission all the time, 
um, much like the women in comics week, we want to especially have a time where we're especially just highlighting it where there's no way we're getting distracted by, you know, anything else, any other news, anything else. So um, let us know what what you'd like us to do for that. And we'd absolutely love to put something great together for you guys on that. Um, so we talked longer about that than I expected, uh, but it was a good conversation. Yes, so I'm, I'm happy, happy about that. We did that. Yeah, me too. Um, so we're going to like it to get as many listener questions as I initially thought, but we will get to some. Um, so I'm trying to find, I had a question that I really wanted to answer and now I cannot find it. Um, Stephanie, you, I know you had some up. Did you want, did you have one that you wanted to answer? I- I kind of lost them because I had them open on my browser and we've had technical difficulties. So everything kind of like got shut out. Okay. So I'm going to, I've got it here. Here we go. Okay. Um, This is from, this is from Christian. He says, uh, I will ask until I have my answer. So I think he's asked this question a bunch. Um, What else besides comics do you guys and gals collect statues, figures, games, collector's editions, et cetera. Mm. Justin, you're, you're, you're a new voice here. All right, so anything besides comics? Yes. Okay. So graphic novels don't count. No. Um, okay. I collect... Well, I started collecting statues, the Batman black and whites, but I've avoided that hole for a long time because <laughs> I knew once I started, I would get sucked down it. Um, besides that, I, I mean, I play a lot of games, but I don't really collect them. I don't collect anything else. <laughs> I collect comics and graphic mm-hmm. novels. That's pretty much it. <laughs> All right. I, I applaud your willpower. Yeah. Bob, what about you? Uh, it's too much crap. <laughs> I, I have managed to avoid the statue thing, too, because some of them are so beautiful, I'd have a house filled with them. It would look like the Met, for goodness sake. <laughs> I own way, way too many movies. Uh, There's an entire wall of them, uh, and that doesn't count the ones that are hiding in other rooms and behind bookcases and everything else. I did briefly get into action figures, I when Marvel first started doing them in '92, was, I, there was no internet for me. So wow, look at the Toys R Us! There, there, these toy biz. I filled a shopping cart, and as I'm walking around the stores, what am I doing? <laughs> Where is this going to go? You know what's going to happen. So I put them all back and bought the Fantastic Four, at least the ones that were available. And then there's a long story for some other day about there's a really rare Invisible Woman figure that they pulled from the marketplace. If you put it in the water, it turned white. Hmm. They discovered really quickly that that was toxic, ah. and it would make the figure break in half. Oh, my God. So they pulled them from the marketplace, and it got to be very expensive, and I ended up getting one as a very lovely Christmas gift, which was nice. I don't know how much she paid for it. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so I, I bought them and put them away. And a couple of years later, they did another set, slightly bigger ones. So I did the same thing. Bought the four and Dr. Doom and put it in a bag and just sat there. And then they canceled the line of toys and the cartoon show that was out. They were around for 30 cents in KB and dump bins. I went, I'm buying every toy I can get. I bought a curio cabinet, opened them all up, put them on the shelves, bought custom ones, made some of my own. And there's a whole curio cabinet in my comics room filled with these things. One of these days, if I collect ever comes back, Steve took some pictures, <laughs> including I made a Stanley and Jack Kirby action figure for myself. So they can stand there in the back next to a, an Alex Ross painting of the thing. It's sitting in the back. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, my stand is a Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park. <laughs> That's awesome. Justin remembered something. He I remember raised, two he raised things. his hand. Yes. Uh, I collect Funko Pop figures for my son. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, those yeah, are great. For your son. For my son. <laughs> they're, they're in his room. Okay, yeah. They're, they're, all right, they're from me. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like 
two. He doesn't yeah. even know what they are. He just yeah. puts them in his mouth. You're like, here's a Daenerys Targaryen just for you. There you go. Um, it's and the mother I, of dragons. And I collect artwork. Yeah. I'm obsessed with it. You have some nice pieces on your wall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, when I finally was able to get a, like a comic book room, uh, I went crazy on artwork. So every time I go to a con, I, I come back with a piece. Mm. Um, and I just, I'm running out of wall space. But yeah, if I, if I collect things, it's that. You have that one Batman cover, right? As uh, one of the pieces yes. of art. Uh, I think it's twelve. Twelve. Yeah, right, yeah. With like all the bats coming out of his. I didn't even notice it was bats. It was fire coming up. Yeah. And then when I when I got the print, I'm looking. I'm like, wow. I'm I'm not very observant. These are bats. <laughs> this is now more amazing. <laughs> Stephanie, what about you? Anything else other than comics? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I collect books as well. Like I've bought loads of books. Um, but I've been like my dad. You know, he was a model train like collector and he made his own stuff so i come by that hoarding need honestly (laughs) um and i have like i have art original art i have lots of uh like little things from like katie cook i've got a great princess mononoke piece from michelle Wynn. um i've got a josie and the pussycats by yannick paquette um and then i've got tons of fable stuff um shocking i know um (laughs) But I have like an original page out of Fables from Mark Buckingham um, from the March of the Wooden Soldiers uh, arc. Let's see. I've got I've got lots of statues. I've got a Swamp Thing figure. I've got um, some like I've got little mini busts and a big, big uh, statue um, from Neil Gaiman and Charles Vess's Stardust. Hmm. Um got like a, i've got tons of tons of plushies too i've got like a bunch of adventure time plushies totoro plushies ugly dolls and i have doug from up and he talks and says like are you my master oh. it's amazing um i i have so many things and then you know like i i have other collectibles like tons of little mermaid stuff like steve got me um a clock um and my dvd collection is ridiculous like, and I've got box sets. I've got, you know, like the complete Futurama set that's in like the Bender robot head. Um, I've got like Gone with the Wind and Wizard of Oz and Casablanca and the big deluxe editions, like the big, big giant boxes. And, you know, the Toy Story chest, toy chest. And I've got the big, um, like, uh, Pixar uh, Luxo Lamp Jr. Um, let's see. I don't know. I have tons of things. And, you know, like my movies and all that stuff, too, That from the days like when I worked at a movie store, they might as well have just paid me in, you <laughs> yeah. know, like here's 20 bucks for gas for the week. And what things would you like to spend all of your money on? <laughs> yeah, I know what that's um, like. But yeah, like I, I have so much stuff and I have like a Batarang. I have like a replica Batarang. Um. <laughs> I have like all the Adam Hughes figures, like Wonder Woman, Catwoman, Zatanna. Um, I have, I I collect like a ton of board games. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a really nerdy lady cave, man cave, lady cave. (laughs) It's pretty ridiculous. Like it's, it's pretty epic. And when I worked at um, one of the movie stores, we also sold toys. And I might've told this story before, but um. I was also like a buyer. I was a toy buyer and a movie buyer. But for toys, 
you know, like if they were defective, you couldn't really sell them. No one wanted to buy them. And they also weren't returnable. Like you can't send back toys. They're your responsibility once you've bought them. And so they would just get like thrown in the garbage. But like Toy Story so ingrained in me that like they were alive and were like sentient. And I got really, really upset like when we threw them out. So they all started coming home with me. And so like I have all kinds of um, like I have Kratos from uh, God of War that's missing an arm, but like a giant Kratos. And like I've got the Dread Pirate Roberts missing an arm and like uh, Marcus from Gears of War missing like an (laughs) arm. But like it's still there. So I kind of just hold it in place. It's and, the land of misfit and, toys. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. My best friend, the first time she ever came over to my apartment, I had like this teeny, teeny, tiny place. And like my wall was just like, you know, books, DVDs, and like DVDs that were like double faced and like just stuff everywhere, right? And she was like, oh my God, you have the apartment of misfit toys. <laughs> and like, I, I have so much stuff. <laughs> so much stuff. <laughs> Um, and like, I've gotten rid of a ton of it too. So, I mean, outside of comics and books, yes, there are things here. I've posted Uh, some of the photos on my Instagram. Like if anyone's curious, like there's, I'm starting to post more, but my name's just Hello Cookie on there. If you want to check them out and art books, I have lots of art books. Um, yeah, I mean, I used to collect DVDs. Uh, a lot. Uh, I have a, still have a big collection. I it doesn't grow very much anymore because I don't buy a lot of movies mm-hmm. anymore. Um, I've kind of moved out. I mean, the comic book thing, obviously, but I don't really consider, consider myself a collector. I just consider myself someone who buys comic books. Uh, so I don't really collect games either. I, there's not really much that I, I don't really collect things. Um, uh, I have some like art on my walls or posters on my walls, but I don't consider that collecting either. It's weird mm-hmm. uh, for someone who has such so many geeky interests. I don't really collect anything i've always resisted doing the statue thing or anything like that because i know it's a a deep deep, dark hole that i'll never recover from so i I never do it you know i just it's partly because i think because of the stuff i do for my job which is the filmmaking stuff it's such an expensive line of work to be in to buy gear with that i if i fall i can't fall down the collecting hole because i need to buy gear or I, you know, I won't be able to make money. So it's not even responsible. I mean, I buy gear I don't need. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie about that. But I don't. I don't, you know, I have like 14 microphones or something like that. You know, and interfaces and mixers and lenses and cameras. So it turns into that kind of you know thing for me. Yeah, collecting it. It used to be the, the movie thing used to be huge for me. I used to have like an. I used to go to this website called um, DVDAficionado.com, and you could like register your whole collection. I used to track yep. it and move it around and like right see what I had and like I'd share my collection with other people as well. That was something I used yeah. to do. So I used to be crazy about that. <laughs> um, so thank you very much uh, for the question. I hope that it was a good enough answer for you, Christian. <laughs> After all this wait. After all this wait. Oh yeah, and I collect video games. Because you collect, of course. Yes, but you, you do you collect them? Do you keep all your games? Mostly, yeah. The ones that I like, I have them all. Oh, wow. I have, like, at least, like, 100 Xbox games. Wow. Alone. 100? Wow. That's a lot. That yeah. is a lot. That's a lot of games. Um, so I would call that a collector. <laughs> uh, this is from uh, Steve on, on 
of Facebook, and he says, I have been back into comics for about two years now, and I'm going to my first con, Tricon, in Huntington, uh, West Virginia in May. I don't really know what to expect. Could you share with me what to expect out of a con or some con do's and don'ts? Justin, you actually just got back from a con. It was a video game one, but it's still a con. Uh, PAX East. Do you have any uh, any tips for Steve? Hmm. Be prepared to wait a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, patience is always great to have at a con because people are stopping and they're, they're taking pictures. And sometimes the the um, hallways get a little bit crowded and it takes you a little bit of time to get to from place to place. So just go in, have a good time, but be patient. You'll get to where you want to go and just soak everything in. Like take pictures of cosplay, socialize with, every, you know, with, with the people in line in front of you, make friends. That's the best part about cons. Just like oh. life. Yes. So just super quickly, the thing, make friends with the person in front of you at Emerald city this year, some person like walked up to me and was like, Hey friend. And I was like, Hey buddy. <laughs> and he was like, we were in line together last year. And I was like, Oh yes. yes. She's like, yeah, we talked for like half an hour. I was like, Oh yes. I totally remember. <laughs> so that's the thing that happened. Sorry if you listen to this podcast. <laughs> Awkward, like it's like you know, meeting, seeing people from school that you don't remember their names. Hey, you. Which also happened to me in the summer. <laughs> um, awkward. Anyway, sorry. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Bob? Any tips? I say have a plan. Mm-hmm. Really, if you can go through the schedule online, know where you're headed, understand which is going to be the heavily attended panel that you need to be there early for. Instead of figuring, as I even did at our first New York Comic Con, well, this is a room for a thousand people. I can get in. Oh, no, I can't. The line started when, before the convention even opened. <laughs> and it was, well, but I'm in the press. Yeah, get lost, fella. <laughs> and then the other half of that is don't stress. If you can't get to something, there's something else. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the whole thing. People watch your brains out. There's nothing better yeah. than finding just a step. You may find someone to talk to that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Or just have a moment with someone that you didn't even know because you bumped into each other and, oh, hey, I like your shirt or so on and so forth. It can be a lot of fun in the waiting as well as anything else. Yeah. Don't get nuts. Absolutely. And I don't know how big uh, Tricon is, um, so I don't know what you're going to be dealing with as far as crowds or lines or uh, presence other than uh, comic book stuff there at, at a time. But I will say this. Don't always flock to the thing that's that's most popular because oftentimes you'll find things that are more interesting, kind of in the mm-hmm. the, the 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 darker corners of of of, of the, the the con. Um, you know, experience of if if they have an artist alley, walk around artist alley. It's a, really the best place. But you get to talk to artists, you get to have one on one conversations with them, um, and and that's really one of the only times you'll ever ever get to do that. So it, it, to me, it's my favorite place of any comic book convention that I've ever been to is Artist Alley. And, but more in a practical sense, drink lots of water, lots of vitamin C, wash your hands all of the time, have hand sanitizer with you, or you will get sick. It's just the, it's just what happens. There's just too many people who have too many different weird ailments all coming together who are sweating and, uh, you know, are dehydrated themselves. Right, and you're run down. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's imperative to do it because if you don't, you're going to get sick. It's just it's it, just what happens. It's not like trying. We're not trying to turn this into a horror story. Like, don't get all like contagion. Like, ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like you know, at Emerald City, for instance, somebody had the measles, and like there was an outbreak. I think like 
I only saw it on Tumblr, and you know, if you're feeling sick too, like after the con, and I'm not saying that every con has measles or something like that, <laughs> but you know, it's typical to get like con crud and a flu and all that. But it's also really important that if you're feeling, if it's persistent, and you get sick after a show, go see a doctor. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that's like horror story, extreme stuff, but like, <laughs> again, in extreme cases like Emerald City this past year, you know you want to keep yourself healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And yeah. And know like know the artists that you wanna if you if you're somebody who collects art and original art, um, make a list of the people that you want commissions from and make yourself a budget. Um mm. if you don't have, you know, a never ending supply of money, um make yourself a budget that you will not go over. Cause like Going to a Comic-Con's a bit like gambling in Vegas. <laughs> you know, you'll easily go over the limit because there's so many things to see and to buy and to look at. And after, like, you've bought one thing and you're like, oh, but look at this thing. And you could pretty much buy something from, like, every vendor because yes. their art is so great and the exhibitors have such cool stuff. But make yourself a limit and make sure that you stay in it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um and but like Justin said, overall the most important thing just have fun, just have a great mm-hmm. time. It's it, there, there are great times if you are able to kind of just go with the flow of them because there's a lot of stuff going on at one time. Um, so this is from Rep Stones on Twitter, and first he says uh, he, he tweeted a picture of Captain America and the Falcon, the Secret Empire, which Ooh. he bought after our discussions. Oh, nice. Um, he says Some Steve Englehart love. Pick up this classic Cap story after hearing the Sage of Talking Comics, uh-huh. Mr. Bob Wire. I recommend it. Um, and then he asks this question: Did do you think it's part of Image's appeal that they have that they don't have a universe, no crossovers, no events, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, just good tales? Stephanie, what do you think? Yes. <laughs> Straight up, yes. Yes. I like I, I mentioned this numerous times. Marvel and even DC, but more so Marvel, loses me with all the events. Like a ton of the great books I was reading, all new X Men, for instance, lost me at Battle of the Atom. And when, again, the scavenger hunt for books that I need to be reading to understand what's happening, that stuff is baloney. When I can just read a book and it's in consistent arcs, I dig that. Like I value that so much in a publisher and definitely a big appeal is that they don't do stuff like that, that derails their books. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, I think it's the key, one of the keys to their success um, because the, not only are they not like Marvel or DC, but they're unlike the other smaller publishers as well, like Dark Horse or IDW who attempt to have, kind of universes of their own within it um, and create kind of books in, in genres and franchises, they tend to just do stories and their universe is in fact their image, you know? And uh, I mean, I know it wasn't always like that when they first started because of the people who were creating the books, they had sort of like a shared thing mm-hmm. going on. Um, but I think it's key to their success. Suddenly, just like you were saying about, about the Adam, um, I've been loving action comics from Greg Pak but they're doing this doomed storyline now with action and Superman and I can't read the other book that they're doing it with Superman, Wonder, Superman Woman. Wonder Woman. And I only read action and I would, I would consider reading Superman Wonder Woman 
like just for those couple of a couple of months to read it. But I don't want to read the Scott Scott Lobdell Superman book. I just I, there's a reason I don't read it, and so I'm not gonna pick it up just because it's involved in this event. So I probably won't read action for two months and then go, come back to it after it's over. So I absolutely think it's a, a key part of image success. Bob, I don't know what you think. Well, I agree wholeheartedly with that. I think they're building a different audience for themselves than mm-hmm. the other companies have. I don't know if they particularly at the end of the day, without having that shared universe can sell enough books for image to be, a big two. Right, right, right. They right. may never get to that point. Mm. I still say, I, I'll stand by my prediction of last year that I think at some point in the next few years, you'll see the others mm. all lumped together share the marketplace. It'll right. end up being an equitable split between the two of them and everybody else. Right, yeah. I know, I, I, I definitely agree with you. Justin, what do you think? It's kind of funny that Bob brought that up because the first question that I asked that you guys answered on the show was if image or another company could replace one of the big oh, okay. two and that was the thing that was discussed that day was the fact that they didn't have a shared universe and at the time i was like i really wish they did but after the last year or so of really starting to read image a lot in the trades i'm glad that they don't because mm-hmm. we're able to get books like black science and sex mm-hmm. criminals so if they can stay away from that and keep giving me books like this terrific That'd be an interesting crossover, though. That would be. (laughs) (laughs) An interesting crossover to Black Science and Saga. Yeah. Ooh. Eight issue. uh, Mega crossover. Change the universe forever. (laughs) Um. (laughs) I hate that baloney. Change the universe forever. Till next week. Yeah. Till the next time. Until Original Sin comes out next week. Until the next time we change the universe forever. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. It's cool too. One of the things I think they're they're really smart about too, and they did this with uh, like couple to a couple of years ago with uh, Profit and Glory, two old image series by Rob Liefeld with new creators on them. They're doing it again with Supreme, and Warren Ellis is writing it. Hmm. So it, they just announced it. It's it's extremely interesting to me. Like that's just the ability to use those old, older properties that were in a shared universe as their own solo things now in very cool ways. They're just a very smart company right now. They 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 know what they're doing. They they know who their market is, and they're committed to doing what they're doing. And as long as I think those people are there and have that right idea, image is going to do very very well for itself. Um, so that's going to do it for our listener questions. We 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 didn't do as many because we had a little bit longer conversation at the beginning. But next week we're going to keep them, and next week absolutely, I want to keep making listener questions uh, as big a part of of the of the show as I possibly can. Um, but. We need to talk about what books are on the shelves uh, this week. And at the end of that, I want to mention something from July, just for fun. Okay. From, for from fun. last this past July? No, coming. Oh, it's coming. It's new July. solicits. All right. Um, so let's talk about this. Action Lab Entertainment. We've got Fracture Volume 2, number four, Jack Hammer, number three, and Vamplet's Undead Pet Society, number one. That looks incredible, by the way. Oh, really? I, I, I put that in my covers for next week. Oh, wow. It's a woman who works for Hasbro, who one of the designers of My Little Pony, whatever, and it's mm. probably be another toy line. So they're sort of undead ghost ponies. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, from Archie Comics, we've got Betty and Veronica, number 270, and Sonic the Hedgehog, number 259. Uh, from Aspen Comics, we have All New Soulfire, number four, and Fathom Kiani, volume three, number two. From Avatar Press, we have Crossed Annual, 2014, Crossed Badlands, number 52, Gravel Combat Magician, number three, <laughs> Uber, number title. 11. It's a great title. 
<laughs> and Uber number 11. Uh, from Boom Studios, we have Bravest Warriors number 19. Uh, we've got Evil Empire number 2. We've got Hacktivist number 4 of 4. Hero Bear and the Kid Saving Time number 1. Midas Flesh number 5. Peanuts number 17. Regular Show number 12. Um, from Dark Horse, we've got Buffy the Vampire Slayer season 10 number 2. Conan the Avenger number 1. We've got uh, El- Eltingville Club number one of two. We've got Halo Escalation number five. Mass Effect Foundation number 10. Massive number 22. Mind Management number 21. Star Wars Legacy 2 number 14. Tomb Raider number three. And Witcher number two of five. From DC Comics, we have All Star Western number 30. Aquaman number 30. We've got Batman Eternal number three. Batman Superman number nine. Catwoman number 30. Dead Boy Detectives number five. Flash number 30, uh, being a new creative team there. Oh. Uh, Justice League Dark number 30. Justice League United number zero, formerly Justice League Canada. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what happened to that? <laughs> it's still taking place in Canada, though. Um, it's just not Lonely. called that anymore. Yeah, too uh, bad. Tozers. Lara <laughs> Flea's number 10. Uh, Mad Magazine number 527. Red Lanterns number 30. Secret Origins number 1. Superman number 30. Teen Titans number 30. And Teen Titans Go number 3. From Dynamite Entertainment, we've got Ash and the Army of Darkness number 6. We've got George R.R. R. Martin's A Game of Thrones number 20. Lady Rawhide number 5. Robotech Voltron number 3. Shadow Now number 6. Sherlock Holmes Moriarty Lives number 3. We've got Warlord of Mars number 35. From IDW, we have 24, number one. Hmm. Guessing that's based on the TV show? Uh, Seventh Sword, number one. City, The Mind and the Machine, number three. Danger Girl, Mayday, number one. We've got G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, number 201. Godzilla, Rulers of Earth, number 11. Popeye Classics, number 21. We've got Rogue Trooper, number three. Uh, We've got Star Trek, number 32, uh, Star Slammers Remastered, number two. Thunder mm-hmm. Agents, number seven. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 33. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles New Animated Adventures, number 10. And Transformers. Wow, it's been so many weeks. Robots? That is correct. <gasps> they are robots in disguise. Yes. Uh, X-Files Season 10, Volume 2. Um, from Image Comics, we've got Dead Body Road, number five of six. We've got uh, East, no, sorry, Five Ghosts, number 11, Fuse, number 3, Ghosted, number 9, Lazarus, number 8, Manhattan Projects, number 20, Mice Templar, 4, Legend, number 9, Protectors, Inc., number 6, Saviors, number 4, Sheltered, number 8, Shotgun Wedding, number 4 of 4, Skull Kickers, number 26, Sovereign, number 2, Thief of Thieves, number 20, Undertow, number 3, Walking Dead, number 126, and Zero, number 7. Um... From Marvel Comics, we've got All New Invaders, number four. Yes. We've got Avengers Undercover, number three. We've got Daredevil, number two. We've got Dexter Down Under, number three. We've got Elektra, number one. Fantastic Four, number three. Yes. George Romero's Empire of the Dead, yes. Act One, number four. We've got uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, number 14. Iron Patriot, number two. We've got um, Original Sin, number zero. Powers Bureau, number nine. Savage Wolverine, number 17. Superior, no, no, that's a reprint, sorry. Superior Spider-Man Team-Up, number 12. We've got Thunderbolts, number 25. Uncanny Avengers, number 19. What If Age of Ultron, number four. From Oni Press, we have Bunker, number three. Letter 44. 
Number six um, from Valiant, we've got Eternal Warrior, number eight, and Harbinger, number 22. Um, we've also got, from Zenoscope, we've got Grim Fairy Tales Presents, Code Red, number five, Helsing, number one, and Wonderland, number 22. And what's this book from July, Bob? Grayson, number one. Oh, they, yeah. They're soliciting it, so it's Tim Seeley, Mikkel Janin. Am yeah, I doing yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, There's a tagline that I'm not sure is funny or sad or both or some mixture, but I'll try okay. to launch into this. All right. You might think you know Nightwing, but you don't know Dick. <laughs> oh, God. That's Pun. DC's line that is not mine. It's, it's on CBR this afternoon, and that's the tagline for the yeah. book. That's I mean, pretty good. In like that, a punny sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. I didn't hear. Sorry. Oh, what? Whoops. Technical difficulties. No, it's okay. That's go okay. ahead. What were you saying? No, I just said that's pretty good, you know, in a punny, horrible kind of way. Yeah, I mean, if that if that's indicative of the book being like a good time, like it's yeah. supposed to be fun, that that would be awesome. Yeah. If it's meant seriously, then it's like a kid on the playground not knowing like what things yes. mean, you know. <laughs> so we have to wait till July we'll to, to wait, find out. We but will. it's pretty darn funny. It is needless a, to say. It's a funny. That's um, the first time I've said that word on the air. <laughs> um, did you hear? I just saw this because this, this popped up on the thing. Did you hear about this Savage Hulk book? It's Alan Davis is writing and drawing it. Yep. Interesting. Mr. Alan Davis. Beautiful art. Um, All right. So that's going to, that's going to do it for the releases for this week. If you guys want to get in touch with us, please, it's podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com or facebook.com slash talkingcomics or at talkingcomics on Twitter. Um, I'm at Bobby Shortle. Stephanie. I'm at Hello Cookie. Justin. At Jeroke, J-O-R-O-A-K. And Bob, your email address. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. This is the time where I ask Bob if he has anything he wants to say before I, I close out the show. Nope, that's why I did this before. Aha, See? nice, I like it. Trying to keep it moving. I like it very much, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right, again, thank you guys so much for writing in. Um, we'll get to more of your questions next week. Uh, and, and then I think a week after that, we have Amazing Spider-Man 2 to talk about. Mm. Again, so we, we're just moving along. With the, with this the big big shows, um, thank thank you guys so much. I mean, the last couple weeks have been huge for us. You guys have been amazing. Welcome to all the new listeners, and thank you so much to all uh, the continuing listeners as well. So that's gonna do it for talking comics. Oh, but no, before I get up, because we, I got to talk about our little network of podcasts we got. Yeah, uh, the Misfits have an episode up uh, about the writings of Joe Hill. So yep, make sure yep. you guys check that out. Um, we've got Talking Games, which Justin obviously is on, and uh, myself. Steve is away again tomorrow, so I will be hosting, and we'll be doing a show about talking about games, just like the title says. It's very simple. Uh, but, but before we record the podcast, we always play uh, some multiplayer action, and we stream it live on Twitch. So follow us, uh, twitch.tv slash Talking Games, and check us out there. Um, we've got Talking Movies with Brian Verderosa. They they did a little Marty Scorsese run in the last couple of weeks so this past week they did after hours it's one of my favorites it's a good one that not everyone knows it is yeah, a no. really great dark comedy yeah and they literally liked it they none, none of them had seen it so they, <gasps> and they really really liked it a lot i texted him after the show before where they announced they were doing it i was like after hours is really cool he's like you've seen it and i was like no i'm just saying that but i haven't seen it I'm like yeah. why would i say that to you i haven't uh, seen it saw that in the theater actually oh, with, wow. you know one of the 14 of us who paid mm-hmm. money to go see that boy what a crazy movie yeah we watched it in film uh, one of our my film school classes actually very very really cool so uh he's not sure he's doing next week they might do the uh joss whedon just produced and wrote a movie and they released oh. it on vimeo for five dollars just for anybody wow. to watch yeah so he, they might review that they're not sure yet but we'll see about that um obviously as well um 
check out Late Night Tonight, which is hosted by Jeff Schaefer and also features myself. We got a lot of a lot of shows for you guys to check out, um, and possibly more coming in the future. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. Um, so that is going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. So for Justin, bye. Sorry, I forgot that part was coming. <laughs> Bob Flurkin and Stephanie. Doodaloo. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued.